0: Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, LawyerUp904. For accidents, injuries, and more, LawyerUp904.com.
1: Rise and shine. Google. It's go time on a Wednesday morning. It's a big Wednesday, man. I know a lot of you getting up and at Adam today. You kids all across the first coast, your parents. You know, I, I can kind of re- repeat this monologue once a year, every day, on this day. And we'll pay all the attention to the top recruiting classes and the five-star prospects. But today and what today is all about goes so far beyond that. Thousands and thousands of, you know, quote-unquote minor sports or lesser programs. But today is a day of realization for so many out there in the audience. And just uh, the community should be so proud of you. If you aren't a, a college scholarship playing sports, you have to understand the kind of commitment that's gone in from these young folks you hear me et you played high school football you don't just show up at 6 30 on friday and have fun and then go home and see you next week
2: oh no it's a true commitment and
1: it's a year long i mean you're you your friends are at the beach and you're sweating out on the you know on the practice fields for two days in the middle of summer um so many of these kids that that will earn scholarships today have had individual coaching they've had tutoring academically they have worked so hard to get where they are and i don't care what the what the name at the top of the letter is i don't care if it's alabama or alcorn state i don't care if it's you know uh, georgia or george mason today is a day to be very proud of the work that you've done and and by the way of the commitment that your parents gave you so much along the way all the, you don't realize it when you're a kid none of us do
2: parents uh, and the coaches uh, all of them, all of them uh, yeah. put
1: so much in and look today from the you know, the general sports fan's perspective. It'll be about the big names and the big schools and how your favorite program is positioning itself. But here locally, I just want everyone out there to to uh, understand that we feel you. We know how much has gone into this very special day. Uh, enjoy it. Enjoy your time at college. Hopefully you continue to progress in your sport, whether your, your goal is to play professionally someday, if your goal is to just see if, college academics and college athletics mix for you. If your goal is just to be a college athlete and continue in your sport in some other way, whatever those uh, dreams are, one was realized today. And uh, we here at 1010XL and what we do, we certainly understand everything that it took for you to get there. I mean, from the Lockett Law High School reports where the kids come in with their parents and their coaches, there's just so much commitment that has been given Before today's commitment to whatever school that you young athletes are choosing. And again, it's not just a football story. It's volleyball and soccer and track, cross country and weightlifting and, you know, any and every sport that offers you the opportunity uh, to keep playing and get a degree because of all the hard work and natural athletic ability that you've had. Uh, kudos to all of you out there. You're not forgotten while we spit out the five-star names and focus primarily on football today. And so speaking of that, here at uh, 1010XL, let me go Pavlov's dog on you. Do you know the story of Pavlov's dog? Pavlov was a scientist back in the day. And what he learned is, uh, what he did is, every day before he uh, fed his dog, he would ring a bell and feed the dog. Ring a bell, feed the dog. And then it got to a point that when he rang the bell... The, the dog's mouth would water. It was expecting to be fed. So this is our Pavlov's dog cue for you. When you
3: hear this sounder, this we call it in the business, this open today. Coverage of college football's early signing period on 1010XL is brought to you by the personal injury law firm of Harold & Harold.
1: Alright, when you hear that, info is coming. Whether it's an update, whether it's a prospect interview, whether it is any sort of recap or preview, we'll do that all day long here. Now, look, in our session, it's 6 a.m. in the morning. Kids are just getting up and showered. Most of your big-time announcements and uh, ceremonies will happen, you know, mid-morning at the earliest. If we have any kind of breaking news for you this hour, uh, we'll certainly bring it. We're going to focus in on on some of the young recruits that we've you know already had the pleasure of getting to know and interviewing and talking to about their exciting futures. And you'll hear some of that coming up this hour as well. If there is, like I said, any, any breaking news, uh, particularly with those schools of more interest around here, when I say that, uh, you know, bottom line, Florida and Florida State, by a million miles, the two most, favored and followed schools here um, on the first coast. But uh, certainly anyone in the SEC or Miami, for that matter, are going to get, um, you know, going to get some news uh, updates if news updates are warranted. So what I will do this hour for you, because I do know this, you know, and this is an interesting aspect of, of what we do here. All right. If you're a recruitnik, you're ahead of me on this story. Bro, we do the best we can. I, you know, we're not going to be experts, or I'm not going to ever pretend or play like I'm an expert in every single thing that we talk about, from the World Cup to high school recruiting. Right. So if you are just one of those recruit nicks, and you've been on the recruiting hunt and since for you know over a year, and you you know where to go to get the latest, and who's signed, and who's on the bubble, and who might flip, and which commitment is what, and which school has you know which class. You know all that already. Well, my goal here from six to ten is going to be to break your break news for you and wow you, but it's to catch up. You know the other ninety five percent of us who are college football fans who understand that recruiting is important, but it's not like we can name the top fifteen prospects in in your favorite team's recruiting class. And we will, however, mention some of those that are expected to sign today, and that will will bring and should bring a bump. Uh, to the programs that they are headed to and, um, you know, pay particular attention to Gainesville and Tallahassee. And uh, speaking of Gainesville, we've got Chris Doring today. That's coming up in the 7 o'clock hour. So we will uh, talk with him about the, boy, the limp-out conclusion to Billy Napier's season, just where he sits in in regards to how he feels about uh, the program after one year under Napier. Florida has not had back-to-back losing years in a long, 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 long time, and now they have. You know, I expressed a little bit of frustration yesterday, just a little bit of wariness about where Florida is headed under Billy Napier. I by no means are you know embarrassing him, but I'm going to call the 2022 season for what it was, and it was very disappointing. And if you're a Gator fan and you're not disappointed, then I that okay, your prerogative. I'm not going to tell you that others care more than you. Losing records matter. Six and seven seasons stink. They're terrible. I mean, that's what what you get average pitiful middling programs that limp off to bowls like the Vegas Bowl do that. Now, you know, they would tell you there's a huge mess to clean up in Gainesville and the to work towards that includes this year's recruiting class. So we'll see. You know, we'll see. It's not like Florida's about to pop out the number three recruiting class, so there's been no late breaking news going Florida's way. No, ooh, there's a flip. Ooh, they're gonna get this guy. If anything, I think Florida's gonna have to hold on to what they what they expect already now—it's still a recruiting class that it, it's going to, you know, probably wind up somewhere between seven and twelve, and all said and done. But until all is said and done, and pen meets paper, and official ratings and grades go out, uh, we shall see. But back to the point on, on Napier in the state of Florida, Paul Feinbaum scorched earth on Billy Napier and season number one. Uh, Feinbaum obviously kind of kind of established as the wizard of SEC football. He's been doing his deal on. ESPN now for a long time, based in Alabama. He's you know had a sports talk radio show since back when sports talk radio wasn't cool. So it Paul Feinbaum's opinions on the SEC matter. You don't have to agree with them, and they're not always right. But I think it is fair for him to ca- classify and characterize what Billy Napier just pulled off in number one in your number one as, you know, if you want to go the terms he did, and stated as a, quote, disaster, I don't have a problem with that. Now, they would tell you in Gainesville, and Billy Napier did as much after the bowl game loss, that they've made tremendous progress and that the overall culture and direction and needle of the program are heading in a different direction. Uh, That's fine. It better be a direction that can go first to fifth gear a lot quicker than it seems. But I got news for you: seven and six next year. If you don't think that all rings, all rings of hell are going to tighten around you after just two years, you're mistaken. Not that it should, not that it would, and not that that is what exactly will happen. You know, I, 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 I see news of Florida in the transfer portal, and I throw up in my mouth. Is there are reports that they've they're they've offered and accepted? a transfer quarterback from Wisconsin named Graham Mertz, he stinks. So why in the God's name you would want to go get Graham Mertz and put him in charge of your offense is beyond ludicrous. I would play a a true freshman over Graham Mertz a million years in a row before I would take a Big Ten cast-off quarterback who completed less than 60% of his passes. If you're playing the transfer portal game that way, You're not playing it right. And if you're bringing in Graham Mertz for anything other than be the starter, shame on Graham Mertz. And shame on you if you've given him that indication. But why anyone would think Graham Mertz is going to bring anything more to the table than, I don't know, Jack Miller, who's already sitting there in place, is beyond me. I I, I was palpably disappointed when I see Graham Mertz is committed to Florida through the transfer portal. What are we doing? Trust me on that one, Gator fans. You don't want Graham Mertz trotting out as your starting quarterback. Hello, 7-5. and five. And by the way, this recruiting, you know, um, change in direction and this excitement around the program, it won't be that way if you go 6-7, and 7-5. Seven, seven and five. It won't be that way at all. You'll be selling ice cubes to Eskimos. No thanks. I'll go to Bama or Georgia or whoever else is actually, I don't know, accomplishing something other than vision. I think just re- recruiting class is important for Billy Napier, and it's not going to just reap benefits right away. This just in, if we haven't gathered by now through all the years, the Florida fan base is not, quote, patient. And they love a good recruiting story, but they hate a 6-7 and seven or 7-6 seven and six or whatever mediocrity you put out on the field. And Billy Napier won no allies with his performance this year. I mean, after week one, it was Billy Napier, Brian Kelly. Woo, the Gators got over on LSU. How'd that work? I got a guy went down to LSU whose program completely bottomed out. Every single person left, it felt like, and they played in the SEC championship game. I got Billy Napier who somehow is is is, is playing to this notion that he got screwed personnel-wise. He's got a quarterback who's going to go in the first round. And didn't play a bit better from week one to week 12. So, you know, kid, the kid gloves are off. It is a big boy job. A big boy program. And certainly you get patience and you get time. But you don't get to use that patience and time going six and seven. You just don't. You better not go five and seven next year. Or six and six or even, you know, even seven and five. You better not. Or the criticism, and this is where I can differ with a lot of people, and I'm sure the text line will let me know this in a little bit. It will be well deserved if you come out of the gates six and seven, seven and six, six and seven, uh, you know, six and six, whatever. That that's it's pitiful. It's pitiful. And don't anyone ever tell you that the program's talent has dropped to a level where that's acceptable. It's not. And so that is kind of the the shadow, you know that the Gator program's recruiting class is is under today, and it's supposed to be a pretty good one. Not near good enough. Not near good enough. Which, you know, I guess in some ways is amazing coming off back-to-back losing seasons. They've made, you know, they've dressed it up down there. It's a much better place for a kid to choose to to play his college football. But at the end of the day, what always wins, well, now there's two things that always win. And probably number one is the money, quite frankly. But number two is success. It's success. Most kids given the opportunity to play for Alabama or Auburn are going to go to Alabama. Most kids given the opportunity right now, not five years ago, not 10 years ago, certainly not 30 years ago. Right now, you can go to Georgia or Florida. You go to Georgia. You know why? They're in the playoff again. A place that is now excluded Florida since the inaugural Playoff four, you know, Natty's in, in six and eight and back in Spurrier's day. Yeah, the credit's already run due on those, man. Those were nice. But this college football playoff's been around, what, eight, nine years now? You haven't cracked one of them? And are much further away now than you were the year the first one was held. So yeah, it's an important it's an important day recruiting wise uh, for the University of Florida over in, in Tallahassee, putting together a decent group. And I, listen, I'll run down where these classes stand. And I understand that the difference between the number two class and the number eight class, it, you know, Michigan hasn't been recruiting great. They're constantly recruiting eight, nine, ten, twelve, fourteen. They're undefeated, beat, walloped Ohio State, and they're in the playoff, the number two seed. So it's not that it can't be done, but when you do it that way, you got to have a special group like Dan Mullen's group a couple of years ago that was in you know within a a whisker of having a really special season but Kadarius Tony and 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 Kyle Pitts and shoot Kyle Trask wasn't even recruited sometimes you get and and not that Pitts especially wasn't a a good recruit but he wasn't a five star and Tony by some was a three star now sometimes you can find those guys you mix it together but you better be doing that repeat 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 Dan Mullen learned that he got fired the next year overall you know Ohio State and Alabama and 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 uh, LSU. These teams have remained up there around the top five for reasons. But you give yourself a lot better odds if year after year after year you've got a top one, two, or three recruiting class. You just do. You can have. You can afford misses, and guess what? They'll transfer. And some Florida like some program like Florida <laughs> will, will, will you know pick up a guy that. The real good program didn't even miss the 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 defensive end at Florida, transferred down from Georgia. You know, the, a cast off for the dogs who were in the playoff and an important position player for the Gators until he got booted off the team late in the year. Britton Cox, right. Uh, you can have miss if you're George, you can let him go. Let him go be their best player. By the way, they 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 we're much better than them. So uh, recruiting today is not a be all end all, but certainly important. And an ever-changing game with the you know, with the bank rolls that are out there. So there's that. All right, let's get into uh, our Jacksonville Jaguars. The 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 marquee matchup is now set. More on Trevor versus Zach in what looks like is going to be a Thursday night. Maelstrom, uh, just a, just an awful uh, weather occurrence, seems to be waiting on the Jags Thursday night in New York. Uh, we'll get more into that matchup uh, when we come back on the other side. The coordinators also met the media uh, yesterday. And we, we have a lot more to get to today as we move along. It will uh, get us started in the 7 o'clock hour with a visit from Chris Doering. Uh We'll keep you up to date as best we can on signing day. Much more talk on the Jags and tomorrow night's huge game. Uh, Boy, you want to play meaningful games in December? We've blown right past meaningful to huge. Right? The Titans game was a huge game. Had to have it. Did. The Dallas game became a huge game. Had to have it. Did. Well, with each huge hurdle crossed, there's a bigger one in front of you as far as the stakes. Because Jacksonville now is past meaningful football. They are in do-or-die football. They have basically started... The playoffs in early December, they went to Tennessee in essence, having to win every game. So far, they're two for two, and there's still three left in the regular season. And then, if you get to the big tournament, who knows? The way this football team is playing. So, gonna let you hear from Trevor on the matchup with Zach uh, Wilson, also from the Jaguars um, coordinators coming up this morning as well. It's a working man's Wednesday. Thanks for being out there, uh, up and at Adam with us. Six o'clock or six four one ten ten. That's the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. If you're a parent or a prospect and you're getting on, getting up, putting on your Sunday best, and you're going to be in your auditorium or gymnasium or stage later today. Congratulations, job well done and continued success in your future. You're listening to 1010XL 92.5 FM. These are the days of our lives. What is this? This has got to be some redo, right? This isn't of actually course. from, like, 1968 or whatever it was. It's
2: Mary J. No more drama, baby. Yeah.
1: beginning of that song is, was that the way we were, gang? One of you older Googans out there tell me what that was. I like this version a lot better. Okay. The other version I had to listen to from the back seat riding around is like a five-, six-year-old with <laughs> my parents. It was an awful era. When I was a little kid, dude. It was soap opera or something, right? Yeah, that's from a so yeah. Um, Days of Our Lives. Days of Our Lives, yeah, yeah that's it. Um, it sounds a lot like the song The Way We Were. So, actually, that was just heard, you know, across the living room at my granny's house, but still. Is that not depressing? That that little piano riff? Because <laughs> I hear that, and it just immediately, maybe it's because I want to watch, you know, Bugs Bunny, and, you know, granny's got it on <laughs> yeah, right? Days of Our Lives. Correct. Uh, boy, I it's a really, really fortunate timing for me. That he isn't here this week. Oh boy! Yeah, it's really fortunate timing <laughs> because these New York, you know, it's a New York extravaganza right now. Um, I might should have brought this up, and because this is literally breaking. We don't always get breaking news in this time right, period, right? But this happened about three thirty in the morning. This news broke, but Carlos Correa, one of the most sought after shortstops on the market, who had agreed to a deal with the San Francisco Giants, thirteen years, three hundred fifty million dollars. Backed out of that deal after there were some questions about his physical, he backed out of that deal, and he has agreed to terms and will sign with the New York Young and the Restless. Are saying whatever? It's all the same, uh, but that's that's fair. Your, Young and the Restless, I think, is still on. You can hear that one um, of those soaps still on. Whatever, it's the same thing. I've heard that a million times, but I identifying the soap theme songs would not be a strength. Um, <laughs> so the Mets have gone and gotten Carlos Correa. Look, give them credit. You got the money spent. If people are talking about the payroll. I don't, what do I care? What do I care about the payroll? I mean, if the NIL has taught us anything, if you're not going to get, if you're not going to get all bent out of shape of what these kids are getting coming out of high school, then what do I care what a billionaire wants to spend on his baseball team? Like Sands through the hourglass. <laughs> That's also days of our lives. Now I'm on a soap theme. Um, by the way, soap operas now, have just they've lost all their impact. Let me go on a tangent here, and I'll get back to Correa, remind me. But, you know, when I was, you know, it's like, now everyone binges shows. There's no need for soap operas. These, quote, you know, more mainstream. And that's what Ozark is, the soap opera. You know, it goes for an hour, and oh, my God, Breaking Bad, um, you know, Game of Thrones. Idiot. They're soap operas. They are. They just happen faster and keep moving and get you along, and you can binge them all at once, and the whole seven years is tied up. You know, these soap operas that used to be a mainstay on television. Now there's only three or four left. But man, it used to be from ten o'clock in the morning till three in the afternoon, there were a hundred of those jokers
2: on. Yep. There? Back to back to back. Back
1: to back. I mean, you picked your network, you picked your your favorites and and you rolled with them. But so here's a just a dirty little secret. But, you know, young men, high school men, college men, we watch soap operas. We did, and we followed, we tracked along with the storylines because it's it's binge TV. It's what it is. Now you give up on it at some point. Me, personally, it was All My Children. That's right. I watched All My all Children, my children. Yeah. back in the day, and yeah, and just keep catch up on it and keep, uh, keep up, and it would also get you in with the college girls who would be watching it. I think Hick watched All My Children. I know a lot of dudes who watch General Hospital. There are the, these storylines on these soap operas were the part of Americana that, you know, American Idol is. Or, you know, some of these other mainstream shows now. Dirty Little Secret. A lot more men and, 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 and like, college-aged and high school-aged boys. You have to also understand we had no entertainment options. Like I went to high school in Puerto Rico. We got everything a week late when I first moved there. They sent it down on videotape to the Virgin Islands and and, and then broadcast it out. So there's nothing on TV, man. So you know, we tape the, see the tape the soap opera during the day and watch it at night. You don't have a whole lot of options now. Don't kid yourself. It wasn't what you have now, which, you know, goes way beyond what's what's on your uh, boob tube, as they say. Um, I promise you though, I'm 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 catching some um uh, we're catching some guys out there that, uh, like me, at some point went through their little soap opera phase. huh? Here we go from the Cugan, the Barbecue. Al, Luke and Laura was the thing, Pross, General Hospital. These things are real now. Another As the one. the world turns. Another one, General Hospital, Luke and Laura. Um, yeah, they were, they, were, they were a big deal. Look what we've done. Look, we spun off just the intro music. That's how we roll uh, here in the morning. All right, now back to Korea. So the Mets sign, it's their money, Carlos Correa, one of the top prospects of, you know, uh, on the market, at the position, you know, where you want to argue Trey Turner or Carlos Correa as the best available, that's up to you. It's a huge get for the Mets. And now as the Braves sit there basically doing nothing, it's starting to reek of, like, is it arrogance? Is it confidence? I don't know what it is. But while you're too... Division rivals, one of whom went to the World Series while you watched, while they add the two premier players at really baseball's premier position shortstop. The Phillies, already great, got Trey Turner. The Mets, already emboldened, get Carlos Correa. The Braves at the position said goodbye to Dansby Swanson. So I don't know what the counter is here for Alex Anthopoulos, the Braves' GM. I don't know what the counter move is for Braves Nation. I mean, are they really going to trot out essentially a rookie, Vaughn Grissom, at shortstop while you're... Now, you know, here's another side. The, the Toronto Blue Jays have been playing this game. The California Angels, the Texas Rangers. There's, there's a lot of teams that, have been pl- that play this game that, you know, get these, add to an already great team and big payroll with other highly paid great players and fail. But there's also teams like, you know, the Dodgers and the Yankees and others that play it and play it right because they're good enough all the way around. So, you know, here is Atlanta, who's won the division, what, five, six years in a row now. It it, it almost comes across as either just an unbelievable amount of self-confidence or arrogance to think that you can sit tight and have an offseason that basically consists of, of, of adding a catcher, which brings a player to a position that you were already really good at and young at. And and losing, you know, a top four or five player on your team, and it plays a very good position, and you still have no answer. You're not doing anything. So I don't know what the plan is for for Double A and the Braves. It doesn't seem It seems like they're going to sit out the cycle of any kind of big names or big contracts. It surely seems like the Braves have set that out, and the Mets and Phillies have fortified big time to try and end this this stranglehold that the Braves have had on the top of the division. Look, if you're a Braves fan or a Phillies fan. And, You've been in the World Series for the last few years. You do realize after, you know, after you have that experience, it almost becomes win the World Series or bust. You give the Braves the pass last year as a Braves fan because you're still riding the wave of, of, you know, joy from the year before. But don't look now, but last year's Braves season played out like so many before the World Series. You had a great year. You won 100 games. You won the division. And you limped out in your first playoff series. That was, you have lost Freddie Freeman and now Dansby Swanson the last two years. I if, if there is an answer to what the Mets and Phillies in particular have done, I don't think the Braves have given it yet. I'm not getting it with Sean Murphy. While you lose William Contreras in the deal, I'm not getting it by adding really no pitchers, any consequence. You you, you trade it for a reliever, and look, the Braves and Anthopolis have lived under the radar. A lot of the move, the moves they made the year they won the World Series was. Just afterthought guys, Jock Petersons and Jorge Soler's and 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 Eddie Rosario's, and they came up big and they won it all. But you know, for a team that barely won the division, had to win it in the last week, and 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 moxied up to do it, and then watched another division rival beat them in the playoffs for one, and then and then win another round and go to the World Series. I mean, to watch that, and and I mean you're a net negative from when last year ended. You can take in a, a variety of factors, look at it however you want, but right now as we sit here, the Braves are not as good now as they were when last season ended. I don't know how you could argue otherwise, although I do see that argument um out and about there. So um from the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. <laughs> uh yeah. All the guys in my fraternity house watched Melrose Place. That was that was basically, that was kind of the transition from putting, you know, dressing up what is essentially a soap opera, but calling it something else and trying to make it cool. Um, uh, more out there, uh, man, memories. My mom recorded them on VHS, and we had to watch them at night along with Dallas. These about the soap operas. Susan Lucci. Someone texted in. That's that's Erica Kane. taken from an expert. Uh, WWE wrestling was always a male soap opera. That's all. That's also true. Um, <laughs> and now, uh, uh, Jeff, I got into guiding light because my mom watched it. Edge of night, as the world turns, guiding light. Uh, as to Dan to be Swanson, uh, Braves still fine. Wise not to pay Swanson, who isn't great. Acuna will rebound. 12 playoff spots. Dodgers, pra- uh, Padres, Braves, Mets, Yankees, Astros, Phillies purchased seven of those spots i'll disagree a thousand percent and it's no 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 skin off my back the braves haven't purchased anything they are homegrown what are you even talking about how did the braves purchase their playoff spot with who purchase they traded what they had for matt Olson, who replaced a homegrown freddie freeman acuna through up through the organization um albies up through the organization riley up through the organization the Braves are homegrown almost exclusively. I include trades as homegrown. Purchase means you go out and spend a gazillion dollars on a pitcher or on a position player. The Braves haven't done that one time. So, no, I would agree the Dodgers and the Braves and the Yankees, the Astros, the Phillies, and the Mets have purchased the playoff spots. That's, that's not fair to say the Braves have purchased their spot. They have a payroll that's gotten big because they've paid the players that they have drafted and developed. That ain't purchasing. That's paying. Purchasing is what the Mets have done in this last few weeks. And granted, that's part of the game. So what? It's, it's incumbent on these smaller markets, these other teams to get good and build their, you know, to build their 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 net value and their payroll. No, purchased isn't right. I know what their payroll is. I'm not going to get back and forth. You're not understanding what I'm saying. When you purchase your team, it's all free agents that you don't have the insight to draft and do and to and to sign and and to and to you know improve, to develop the 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 payroll is not the ultimate insight as to how that payroll got there. So yeah, just because you can list off what the payrolls are, doesn't mean you're savvy enough to understand why they are where they are. And in this case, you're not. If you're putting the Braves in the category of the Padres and the Dodgers and the Mets and the Phillies and the Yankees you don't know what you're talking about. in the story. Because if you go to those teams and their best players, almost exclusively, they are not homegrown. The Mets, Verlander, Scherzer, Lindor, Correa, um, uh, you know, many of them aren't. Same with the Phillies. Harper and Rio Muto and now, and now, you know, Trey Turner and others. The Braves develop their team. It, 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 don't, it doesn't matter. It's not against the rules to do it however you want. I mean, maybe I shouldn't get, like, defensive about it. It doesn't matter. But the Braves aren't building. They haven't built their run of success, like, by by purchasing. That's just it's just inaccurate. That's all. All right. Um, here's a, another text. You guys are kind of hot today. Um... Uh, Matt and Baker uh, text this on the text line. Man, how embarrassing is the Gator Collective? Um, Rojas, who runs it, uh, stinks and has no idea what he's doing. Napier's getting kneecapped by it. I mean, one of our, quote, head guys was uh, wasted on Twitter going at it with Miami fans the other night, spilling beans. Hope they straighten it out. Goes on what Spivey, who we, we played Andrew Spivey yesterday, said on the Hacker After Dark show the other night. Florida needs to get their bleep together when it comes to NIL, will not donate anymore until something changes. If you are a, just a hardworking man with a, and you're donating to the Gator Collective, God bless you. I'm not kidding. If you are bringing home a paycheck, 40 grand, 60 grand, 20 grand, whatever you make, and you're sending any of it to the Gator Collective, God bless you. There are a zillion more worthy efforts if your favorite college football program is trying to build the NIL and use it by sucking cash out of their fan base, then screw that. That's for oil tycoons and sugarcane magnets and the biggest boosters. They got to pay up for this. They, you have to, just like you do in sales in this business or others, you find the golden goose, you work him, you sell him, and he funds all this. You don't send in money, Matt, from Baker County to the Gator Collective. Or you end up sending texts like this. You've wasted your money. My gosh, to have enough to give it to a collective to lure high school players to a school. That's not any of, that doesn't that doesn't validate your fan chip. It doesn't make you a fandom it doesn't make you a bigger, or better fan than anyone else. That's just silly to me. You want me to send my money to a Gator collective to go out and swing and miss on the recruiting trail? Nah, I'll eat. Thank you. Right, we got a lot to get to because I'm just uh, just bearing along from topic to topic, subject to subject. We still got to get into uh, uh, Jaguars talk today. I can leave it linger. I find so many of you that are with us. In the, like, this industry is built on people catching the show 15, 20 minutes at a time. But I think if there is a sustained listener among the group, the most sustained are the six o'clockers. They're up and at it, and many of them out, work trucks or otherwise. I kind of feel like you guys will hang around with us a little bit longer than most. And we'll get to Trevor Lawrence, his thoughts on the matchup at New York, and another huge, 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 huge game uh, for the Jaguars. When we come back on the other side, I'll hit some other NFL news. We call it a football fix. And it is next on 1010XL 92.5 FM.
4: You know, he looks in, 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 on tape as a Hall of Famer. The numbers are there for sure, and I think he deserves serious consideration. No question about it. He's got my support.
1: That's Sal Palantonio, who joined us yesterday in the 9 o'clock hour. You can uh, check out that interview and all interviews here on Tit, Tit, XL On Demand. But we're kind of doing a little tour of Hall of Fame voters here on the drill, making sure they're aware of just the kind of force that Fred Taylor was. And we're two for two, man. John McClain from Houston last week said, Oh yeah, he's got my vote. You don't have to convince me and Sal Powell yesterday. That was the same where I mean, right? He, he he went even more emphatic than that. You know, with his initial comments about Fred Taylor and how, yeah, he's got his support. And so there's look, there's forty nine voters. There's two say they're voting for Fred. Um, I I he is a lock Hall of Famer. How you know, long you guys want to make him wait, that's going to be up to you, I guess. But there there are no peers at the running back position behind him that are going to jump him and take a spot. There are a few guys in front of him. Frank Gore, again, happy Frank Gore Day yesterday. We didn't pay enough homage, right, right. We didn't pay enough homage to that yesterday. But uh, Frank Gore is certainly one of those guys, Adrian Peterson and other guys that are ahead of him in the all-time uh, rushing ranks. But he's sitting at 17 and is not really in jeopardy of being caught or passed. And if every single running back ahead of you is in the Hall of Fame, and many behind you are, you can't overlook that when you are. And by the way, the other analytics, seven thousand yard seasons. So I think there have only been a handful of guys that have had more than that. There's all kinds of analytics that are going to play in Fred Taylor's um, favor, I think. And so, Sal Pal, another Hall of Fame voter joining us yesterday, and yeah, Fred's got his votes. We're two for two. I got a, um, I got an all timer here. Um. <laughs> The Shazam Spotlight. I don't know if you saw this story. I read this uh, somewhere in the last few days. But the Chiefs have this super friend. The Shazam Spotlight, by the way, brought to you by our friends at the Murray Ford Superstores. Truck guy here uh, speaking to the incredible customer service experience that I had with Murray. And I didn't go down there and get some royal treatment because of our relationship. I just went down there and, and uh, enjoyed the experience. I was in and out. I did it. That's how I roll. You know me. I'll do all the Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve. I went down to Murray fully expecting to uh, turn in the old girl and drive home in a new one. I'm not going to go crazy looking all over the place for this style or this color and uh, worked, uh, worked fantastically. So happy with the whole car buying experience. But here is the Shazam spotlight. Go to Shazam Auto, by the way, and uh, you can find out what they have in stock for you right now. Yeah, there's a Chiefs superfan who who dresses in a wolf costume. You ever seen him on the television?
2: Uh, Maybe. Yeah, you
1: may have. Called Chiefs-a-holic. Well, uh, it turns out now we learn the the low-down dirty truth. He's been funding his trips to Chiefs home and away games by robbing banks and stealing, and now he's been arrested. His social media posts suggest that this wasn't an isolated incident. Here's a tweet from November. Quote, I make a good living, plus I hustle in private. House money I'm playing with, TBH, to be honest. His motivation for robbing banks was largely to fund season tickets and chiefs parlays and has gone on for a while. Theft and robbery arrests go back to 2014. He was once arrested for attempted bank robbery in Bixby, Oklahoma, on his way to the Chiefs-Texans game a couple of weeks ago. Now, this is the same guy who sued Robert Kraft for a slip-and-fall accident in the parking lot at Gillette Stadium and won that lawsuit. The slip-and-fall happened after the Chiefs-Patriots game back in 2019, so this dude's been robbing banks to follow the Chiefs. (sighs) Fire up the band. we got a football fix. It's brought to you by Allstate agent Mandy Bowers in Mandarin. When we come back, top of the seven, uh, you got my word. We're getting into Trevor, the the matchup with, with Zach Wilson and the huge primetime game with those New York Jets. Boy, when that game came out on the schedule, you hoped it would be a big one, and it certainly has uh, turned into just that. Uh, the Ravens have claimed wide receiver Sammy Watkins off the waiver wire. Devin DuVernay's pretty good year for FSU has been sent to IR. A lot of chatter about, you know, Matthew Stafford retiring after this year. He's been banged up. He's had injuries. More this year led to the injured list. You know, the Rams, it's era pointing down for that franchise. I would not hazard a guess they're done. But he says no plans to retire this offseason. Now, if anyone is built to withstand some losing, it would be Matthew Stafford who played all those years in Detroit. Uh, The Eagles coach yesterday. I don't know. I thought he went a little too far in the way he described and characterized Jalen Hurts. I wouldn't be surprised if he played, and he's the you know, no, he's not the toughest guy in the world. They're all tough guys. You get any coach in the NFL that tells you what a warrior his guy is. There's a thousand more just like him all around the league. So you know, whether or not Jalen Hurts can bounce back from a sprained shoulder, you would be you got to be crazy to play Jalen Hurts when you've got the division basically locked up. I don't care if it is the Cowboys. I don't care if it's bragging rights. Heck, you might beat them with Gardner Minshew. This just in. The Eagles are a little better than the Jags, and we just beat Dallas. So you might have beat them with Minshew. We'll see. Looks like the Steelers will get Kenny Pickett back, and he's expected to start against the Raiders. I see they're really promoting this raiders tealers game as an anniversary of one of the most famous plays in NFL history, the Immaculate Reception, back in, was it 1972, I think? Now, the odd thing about the Immaculate Reception, and it just shows you how far technology has got, you didn't see it over your TV reception. No cameras actually caught the ball being caught, so it, it it's just added to the intrigue and drama to that play through the years. Uh, we mentioned Trevor... And a matchup with Zach Wilson. That's official now because Sean White was not cleared with that rib injury yesterday. So it is a matchup of the top two picks in the NFL draft when they meet in primetime on Thursday night. And we'll hear from Trevor on that matchup when we come back on the other side. Looks like the Sunday ticket has found a new home. YouTube TV nearing a deal. I will say this. I think with YouTube TV, it'll be a lot easier for... Joe Blow, but the Sunday ticket died with the red zone, if you ask me. Although, in fairness, we live in a town where our favorite team is. You know, and if you think about it that way, the Sunday ticket remains very, very viable because if you're a fan of, say, you know, of another NFL team and you live, you know, if you're a Chiefs fan and you live in Boston or you're a Steelers fan and you live in Jacksonville, I guess the NFL ticket probably still does serve a very valuable purpose outside of you know, those Insta highlights that you get on the on the Red Zone. Uh, to me, the Red Zone is the best development in the history of television. To me, me personally. It is the best innovation, the best program ever created in man's history, to me, is the NFL Red Zone. It's fantastic. Never gets old. Tyler Lockett uh, broke his hand last week for the Seahawks. Uh, here's another tough guy. I wonder if his coach went on and said he heals faster. He's the best, you know, toughest guy in history. He could return as soon as next week. And uh, from uh, Daniel Jones, we get this epiphany. I've learned what it takes to win in the NFL. Well, or at least he's gotten better at it. I think I've gotten a better idea of what wins in the NFL. A lot of times it's not what you would think. I think it has a lot to do with taking care of the ball and staying in good situations for the offense and executing on critical downs and scoring in the red zone. Took you five years to figure that out, huh? That's football fix. You're welcome. It's brought to you by Allstate agent Mandy Bowers and Mandarin Home Life Business Auto. You call that bundling. You need a checkup from the neck up when it comes to all your insurance needs. And by the way, it may as well be the Allstate Assurance Office of Mandy Bowers because you really figure out what your relationship is um, with your insurance agent when something goes wrong. And then you don't need insurance, you need a shirt, Someone there, someone representing you and your side. And that's what you get with Mandy and her expert, Crackstaff, over there in Mandarin. Reach out and uh, schedule an appointment with her today. All right, Trevor Talk, when we come back, this is The Drill on 1010XL 92.5. All right, we're back with the breaking news. Now, this is sad, and what... Terribly tragic timing. I was just talking about the anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, how that game is going to be put in prime time. I I believe they even had a ceremony to have Franco Harris's number retired, although it's hard to believe it's not retired already. I saw Franco Harris up in Canton around the Hall of Fame ceremonies. Franco Harris is dead this morning. Age 72. Passed, I guess, overnight. I'm not getting... Uh, many of the details yet. Um, you know, just when you, when you think of those Pittsburgh Steelers, I guess the first thing that comes to your mind is the steel curtain and the defense that they played. You know, maybe the flashy Lynn Swan and John Stallworth and, and and you know, Terry Bradshaw are what you remember. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure that Franco Harris isn't the most famous player on that team. Maybe Mean Joe Green? Bradshaw. I don't... Bradshaw. Yeah, Bradshaw too. But Franco me. is up there. Uh, Franco O'Hare and and you know you him and Rocky Blyer formed this incredible backfield. I believe they both ran for a thousand yards in the same season. And and this was back with fourteen game seasons. But uh, Frank O'Hare is one of the game's greats. And again, just with the, with the timing of, you know the the recollection of of great memories, including one of the most famous plays in history. Um. But we've uh, we've 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 lost him. Frank O'Hare is dead at the age of seventy two, man. All right, um the Jags go into prime time. We did learn yesterday that it indeed will be a matchup of the two top picks from last year's um draft. Um so let's get into Trevor a little bit with with Zach Wilson, certainly as they were making the rounds, getting ready for the draft, going through workouts, You know, there was at a brief moment they tried to position Zach Wilson ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Remember that? A lot of people don't remember they that. Tried. They tried a little bit. Oh, look at this throw. This is why Zach Wilson is shooting up the ranks. Well, now that things have settled and Trevor's gotten some adequate coaching, well, much better than adequate, has gotten good coaching, Trevor Lawrence is night and day, head and shoulders, a thousand times better than Zach Wilson. So, if anybody out there, and I'm sure there are a few of you, at any point said, I'd rather have Zach Wilson or Zach Wilson is better, just bury it deep inside your soul, never speak of it again. Here's a Trevor on what, if any, relationship he has with the Jets quarterback.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've known him, like you said, since the the draft process. You know, we both trained out in California, pretty close to one another. So, he trained with someone else, but um, I met him out there. We actually use the same chef, so met him out there so I've seen him a few different times since then obviously we played up there last year um and you know I've always had a good relationship with him we've kept in touch kind of loosely throughout the not really this season but the off season and during the season last year both being rookies um so we kind of kept in touch and you know root root for him obviously you know um, we got a pretty good relationship we're not super close necessarily but you know I have a lot of respect for him and um all that you know so that's yeah
1: yeah, all that. Yeah, I got respect for him and all that. I mean, he sucks, but I, I got respect. He did not say. Trevor's, Trevor's too nice to, to do that. Meanwhile, the love for our quarterback continues. Go anywhere right now. He's a hot topic. The league is catching up with the fact. And in fairness, you can't go crazy. Look, Trevor had two great games back-to-back Indy and in the Chargers this year. And he, wasn't, he hadn't arrived then. It was not time yet to say, okay, no more questions. Now is that time. There's no more questions. This dude has turned the corner. There are going to be bad moments, but that's it. We He's established now. He's an established superstar. And by the end of year two, lo and behold, look what he's done. Joe Burrow and all that excitement about making the Super Bowl at the end of year two. Don't count our guy out. Jags aren't a whole lot different than the Bengals were last year at about this time. Uh, the Bengals may have been closer to clinching, but I believe the Bengals were 8-5 last year and went to the Super Bowl. And and had a rougher start than that. Not this this isn't a prediction. We gotta get by the Jets first. I, I get that. Now, Trevor was asked if because it's the guy drafted right next to him and near him, if that means more in this game on Thursday.
0: I mean, not really. You know, I think especially you look at where we're at in our season, like that's that's the feeling every week. And that's how we all feel here, no matter who we're playing, no matter who the other quarterback is. Um, it just has to be. That's the way these games are down the stretch. So that's the mindset, no matter what. You know, I think that's one thing that's you can't do as a, as a quarterback. It's not I'm not playing against Zach. You know, I'm playing against the Jets defense, and it's just you know, it's it's annoying when people can compa- always compare all that because it's not what it's about. It's not how the game should be played. You know, you just do it. And you do whatever it takes to win the game, and wh- whether that's who knows, whatever that, wh- whoever the, who knows what that's going to take, what it's going to take for us to win that game. Out of myself, it could be, you know, maybe we're running the ball great, maybe we're throwing it great you know who knows what that's going to be but whatever it takes to win that's the goal not really anything else so yeah
1: well Trevor doesn't want to compare but I will for you just again God bless Frank Gorday yesterday that first down to salt things away against the Rams and the Jets blow the top pick and the Jags pick it up and we have Trevor and they have Zach Wilson and imagine the Jets as good as they are if they had Trevor I mean you could argue the rest of the roster is better than the Jags roster you could argue that Now, they may have the veteran experience, and Zay Jones is playing like a really good player, and and so, you know, but if you're going to tell me there's a difference, and the defense for New York is significantly better than Jacksonville, that's not debatable. And so, um, imagine the Jets with Trevor Lawrence. Imagine if Frank Gore didn't do us all a solid and and win that game for the Jets back then. But I'll compare for you. There is no comparison. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is ninth in the NFL with 3,500 passing yards. Zach Wilson is 31st. He has 1,500. Trevor Lawrence has figured it out. He's completing 66% of his passes. Zach Wilson, 55. We're to late year two. Zach Wilson is completing 55% of his passes. The comparison gets even uglier for the number two pick. Trevor Lawrence, touchdown passes, interceptions, 24 touchdowns, 7 picks. Zach Wilson, six touchdowns, six interceptions. Wilson has missed some time this year, but that was a good thing for the Jets. That's how he has played. Uh, Zach Wilson's uh, passer rating is down in the don't survive long in this league level, 75.3. Trevor Lawrence has a 96.6 passer rating. Trevor is head and shoulders. as as much taller than Zach Wilson that he is, that's how much better Trevor Lawrence is than Zach Wilson. Head and shoulders better. Wilson will never sniff the the odor that Trevor Lawrence leaves behind him. The Jets are royally screwed. They used the number two pick on Zach Wilson, who's either going to be injured or frustratingly um untalented enough to just keep them in limbo while the rest of their roster looks pretty good. And to me, be honest with you, that's that's where we stand. Now, if there is something that you could pick at with Trevor Lawrence, I think this is fair. And we saw it the other day. In fact, the last two times this has happened, it hasn't killed the team. But we got ball security issues here, gang, with Trevor and with Travis Etienne. We just do. We have ball security issues. The Ravens game... Don't forget, the Ravens game, what happened on that final drive before we won? Trevor fumbled, and Luke Fortner hopped on it, remember? Remember how that game changes? The season ends if Luke Fortner doesn't hop on that football as Trevor tried to, you know, uh, stay alive and keep a play going? And then again, uh, against Dallas this This past Sunday, what happened late in that game? Trevor fumbled. He fumbled. This time they didn't answer. They they didn't recover. The defense lifted him up. Well, we're going to New York on Thursday night where it is going to be a monsoon by all indications. A cold, windy, torrential rain. Scheduled to blow. The last time we played in weather like that was early in the season at Philly. Trevor, what he, did he fumble four times that day? Was that the number?
2: Five turnovers. I'm not sure. I'm, I th- I'm not
1: saying numbers. he even lost all four. I'm saying I think Trevor Lawrence fumbled it four times against the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know that he that he lost all four. But it seems, I'm going to look. I'm going to find it out here. Uh, let's see. At Philly early in the year, Jags, gosh, they're right in the game. We lost 29-21 um let's go to the old box score uh let's go down to fumble okay we're gonna go to team stats what we're gonna do boom just just ride with me gang don't worry um let's see fumbles and loss yeah the jags had four fumbles they only lost they had yeah they lost four fumbles i mean trevor i don't know how many of those were trevor's i'm guessing you know at least two or three and that was the last time we played in cold, wind, uh, maybe not cold, windy, wet weather. It didn't go well. So, Trevor, can we clean anything from that early season game in Philly based on a weather report that really, for this Thursday, looks worse than that one did?
0: Yeah, I take care of the ball a little better. Uh, and that's, but no, I mean, as far as just my preparation, I mean, you, you kind of know what to expect as far as it's probably going to rain, going to be cold. Um, but I think you just approach like any other week. Obviously, ball security is really important, especially in games like that. It always is, um, but especially in, in those conditions. And just be smart. You know, maybe work on it this week, some wet ball drill stuff with the, with the wideouts and, and myself, just throwing in those conditions. And um, but no, I mean that's really that's really it. That's all yeah, I,
1: I think Trevor is going to be fine. Ultimately, this is just another part of the learning process, right? I mean, he he, he may he seems to have already passed that learning curve. When it comes to forcing passes in, particularly in the red zone down around the goal line, right? That happened two or three times. He made the decision never again, and so far it's been never again. I think that same kind of awareness, you know, that game against the Cowboys the other day, there's just no reason not to just slide. No reason. You got the first, you've made the play. I understand you want to, you know, go all Justin Fields on him. Slide, get down, you know, for the most part, game over. All right, we'll hear from the Jags coordinators a little bit later on today. also saw an interesting column on ESPN. It was just ranking the defensive backs and all the superlatives for defensive backs around the league. Would any of the Jags show up? Spoiler alert, one did. Not sure you'd guess which one. Also interesting to see how the star has faded on a former Jaguar who has kind of been known as the best of the best these last few years. Jalen Ramsey, also MIA on on these best of categories. We'll get into that a little bit later today. We'll also hear like I said from the from the um from the coordinators, Press Taylor and and Mike Caldwell. We continue to keep you updated with signing day again. The Pavlov's dog gang, I gave you the science lesson. I can't do it again. But when you hear this what uh, you can call it a sounder, you can call it an open, but when you hear this
3: on 1010XL today, Coverage of college football's early signing period on 1010XL is brought to you by the personal injury law firm of Harrell & Harrell.
1: When you hear that, you're going to get updates throughout the day here on 1010XL. Uh, we'll talk to Doring now. When we come back a little bit later this hour, I'll just give you kind of the standings of where we are when the day started as far as, you know, the, the top programs around the country and how their recruiting classes look. If there are any massive, you know, flips or, or newsmakers, especially involving Florida, Florida State, Georgia you know, Miami, then we'll pass that along. But I think most of the news comes later in the day when you really get a grip on what's come in, what has it, any surprises that are out there. I think things will, you know, for the most part, follow form here early in the morning. We do have, you know, uh, we, we have some catch-up sound with some of the local prospects. So we'll, you know, we'll cater a little recruiting segment a little bit later um, when we're giving the class Rankings and such. We'll we'll let you hear from some of those uh, kids. But uh, more than anything, as we go to break, this is a congratulations, a pat on the back, uh, an at a boy and add a girl to every high school prospect out there that's signing today to play any sport anywhere at any level. There's nothing there's there's nothing different or better about Trayon Webb signing to play football at the University of Florida than there is with a young lady at Oakleaf going to run track or cross country. Than there is about a football, uh, about a volleyball player at Bishop Kinney, it, it, the amount of work required and put in and effort on my parents and kids. It's noted. I get it. I had kids that played sports from little age. I played sports from little age. Wouldn't have been able to do it uh, without my parents. So like big hugs back and forth today through uh, from parents to kids who are, you know, realizing a dream in some cases and signing college scholarships and kids back to those parents who when you're a kid, I get it. You're selfish. You pay attention to you and what's affects you and what you're doing and what people are doing to you and sometimes what it's doing for you you don't always recognize and boy uh, there is not a successful athlete out there today that didn't get a lot and signing a scholarship didn't get a lot of help uh, from a parent or a coach along the way as well so it's an exciting day for a lot of young people it's an exciting day for college football programs uh, moving forward they need some excitement in Gainesville we'll see uh, just how much they need when we Catch up with Chris Doring, former Gator Great. Now he would be an example of those that you don't have to be a five star All American to be a big time player. Chris Doring was a is just a middle of the road recruit out of PK Young and he went on to set the SEC record for touchdown catches and still holds the Florida record. So uh we'll visit with Doring next on the drill. You're listening to Ten Ten XL ninety two point five FM. All right, you look, today's National Signing Day and you know, you'll we'll lose your mind for the top 5 star picking the top program and then what great glory that will bring. I'm always curious on a day like this as we bring in Chris Doring. You know, what what does a guy like Chris Doring think of all that attention and it's it's far from any guarantee and we can go to the other side of the coin, Chris for that, right? I mean, I don't I don't want to Uh, dismiss where you were in the recruiting process but as my memory recalls I mean you were just out there hoping somebody would give you a chance it wasn't like some rush to sign a five-star from PK Young was it?
5: No it was uh, quite the opposite you know it was uh, a situation where I didn't even have any scholarship offers so you know as I was watching everybody else sign and figure out where they were going to be playing the next year it was more about uh, me trying to to uh, drum up some interest somewhere, and, and it was a much different time, much different era. The uh, the, the the video of, of games uh, to get out to coaches was was uh, much harder to to do. We my dad put together VCR tapes that he sent out <laughs> to people to try to get uh, somebody interested. In, and and uh, the, the ironic thing is, you know, I. I think I was a pretty good player, pretty good athlete, and uh, and yet I couldn't even get a an FCS offer from anywhere or, or one double A is what it was at the time. So, it was a, it was a humbling uh, period of time. It's, I think it's been one that has changed the way that I look at, at National Signing Day. I think I always uh, have a little bit of a, a chip on my shoulder when I'm watching some of the entitlement that that a lot of these kids have. But I, I even think you know watching now is even different than it was you know five years ago. There was something kind of cool about it. I think. But with the fact that now we have this, this signing period that went from February to December, and and all the NIL stuff and basically pay for play, it it, uh, it it doesn't even have that allure. It used to feel like Christmas morning to some of these folks, and I, I don't even think that exists anymore.
1: I don't want to be too alarmist or too dramatic, but I I, I
4: there,
1: NAL may kill college football. Chris, the passion that people feel. There are a lot of middle of road fans that are already just disgusted by what the college game has become. It, I mean. Should there be a bigger fear, or at least some sort of notion to maybe clean up the edges of what this new system has brought? Is there is there a danger in the sport overall losing interest and audience?
5: Yeah, I think there's a huge uh, fear of that happening. Even somebody that's as passionate about college football as I am um, has a bit of disdain for the process of, of what goes into a season. Now, I mean, it just. Having been out in Las Vegas on uh, over the weekend and watching, you know, Florida's bowl game that that the team for the second time in what a handful of years doesn't even look like the one that, that played the regular season with so many people opting out, and transferring, and everything else. It just it's taken away the fun of bowl season, uh, and we're now we're we're entering in a, a period of time where I'm watching, you know, guys. Go from from Vanderbilt. Ray Davis, the running back from Vanderbilt, ends up at at Kentucky. I mean, guys jumping around within the conference. It was just a couple of years ago that 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 was considered to be the the biggest you know faux pas ever, is to you know transferring within the conference. And now we see it all the time. Um, you know, not to mention the the free agency out there for your quarterbacks going out and, and getting a guy just to come in for a year, and and uh, the the amount of of money that is being talked about for players. That I haven't even played it down in college football yet. I mean, it, it's uh it's disturbing in so many different ways, and I I do fear that um, you know the downfall of college football could ultimately be because of of two things. One, the NCAA not having any foresight and and putting some guardrails in place and giving a little bit back when they could have, you know, for for so many years, and then the players themselves for you know being overly greedy, for not understanding the value of a, a college education, for not understanding the opportunity that goes along with Creating some sort of, of uh, following within the, uh, a school's fan base and what that can do for you after you you get done playing. I, I I've made more money, you know, in my post playing days than I did in the NFL because you know I I got that degree from the University of Florida and what that's afforded me. And so I I just uh, I do worry about that and I do want somebody to step in, but I think the fear of litigation has everybody just uh, paralyzed at this point.
1: I'll give you another, I think is just a gross trickle down of all this. And like, I'm famously, by the way, Twitterless Jeff, I'm not on Twitter, but I'm certainly Mm. social media aware. And this narrative that like, don't, don't complain about the Gators NIL. If you're not contributing as if Joe fan as Billy Joe out in Hamilton County is supposed to be funding the collective. Yeah, that is disgusting. And by the way, no, no, they're not. No, the sugarcane magnet and the oil tycoon and the multi-million dollar Gator booster, if he so chooses, should do that. But there's like getting the build a little bit of peer pressure on, like you know, every Joe Blow Gator fan ought to be sending in a hundred dollars for recruiting. No thanks, you're not getting any of my cash for that. But no,
5: I'm with you on that. The idea again, you know, the the the, the fact that it's not legal for. People that donate money through, you know, the the Gator Boosters or through any other school's um, fundraising specifically for NIL goes against what the spirit of the NIL rule is supposed to be. It's supposed to be about being able to take advantage of something you've done to create value with, you know, selling jerseys or autographs or doing um, commercials or something like that. And, 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 and instead what we're doing is we're pooling funds together to pay kids money that haven't even played a down of college football yet. It's just a, uh, it's a problem. And, and, and the idea that we all, you know, have to participate in it is, uh, is a little bothersome to me. I'm with you on that. The pressure that I think is, is put out there amongst any fan, not just Florida fan base, uh, but just uh, all of the fan bases in general and what you're doing, if you're not participating to, to, uh, let your school down is a little bit uh, a little bit off the mark, in my
1: opinion. This is the Gator Report on Ten Ten XLs. We visit with Gator great Chris Doring. Let, let's talk a little bit here now after year one of, of Billy Napier. The one thing that does concern me, and I understand you've got a challenge here, right? You can't fire one coach because of this this notion that he's not recruiting enough, and then expect the next guy to just build you a mansion with straw. But I will say this: this is what concerns me most about Billy, and this could change. I. Look, we played 13 games, right? There's not one time during a game, not once, where I said, wow, what a great call. Wow, what a great decision. Wow, I didn't see that coming. I, You know, I need two or three. You need two or three of those wows from a coach's uh, mind, from his brain, to me, a game. And I had a lot more, wow, what's he doing, than I had, wow, that was awesome. Is is that a fair concern or, or no?
5: Oh, yeah, I mean, I think... Some of that, but I, I do go back I, I look at and maybe this is what frustrates me more than anything is that I go back and look at the Tennessee game plan, the way they utilized Anthony Richardson, the explosive plays that they had in the passing game there were There were times where you could see that there was some great creativity and 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 in game play calling and and some adjustments being made like that to me is is the more frustrating point is because we saw moments of that, and maybe you know maybe it goes back to conversations that were had in in the locker room between, you know, Anthony Richardson and, and the coaching staff and what he was willing to do and what he wasn't, or maybe it had to do more with the fact that they early in the season didn't necessarily have somebody or throughout the whole year for that matter, somebody that they felt was a competent backup for Anthony Richardson, whatever it was. Yeah, I'm with you. There was not a, a ton of, of surprise. There was not a ton of, of creativity consistently. There was not a, a ton of uh, this idea of catching people off guard and, and having a you know a fun offense to watch, and we're focusing on the offensive side here. But there were mm-hmm. plenty of times where the defense was not uh, what we wanted to see. Third down, couldn't get off the field. Mm-hmm. I think so much more of that has to do with with the players and the and the the lack of of talent up front, as we've talked about all year long. But I, I do. I I think I probably would have more fear about the offense than I do of uh, the defense going forward and not having the, the play design and play calls that uh, we'd like to see. But uh, again, you know, maybe getting the right players in there, you, you, you inherit a lot of these guys and clearly they're not in the long-term plans of the, the coaching staff with as many of the guys that have hit the portal. And in and, and so many cases being asked to leave or told that they're maybe not in the plan. So, yeah, I think we got to give them a little more time to find the guys that they're recruiting to put in positions to to be successful in a scheme that they want to utilize, but yeah, at some point in time you have to be able to to work with the ingredients that you have and and find ways to win with with what you have and they just didn't do that consistently enough as their 6 and 6 record would indicate.
1: Uh, and that's a very uh, fair point. I don't want to like uh, represent here as I'm ready to run Billy Napier out of town, not by any stretch. But that that thirty to three loss in the bowl game doesn't it sits worse for than me than maybe it should. I, I you know, when you take the field and you play a football game, you shouldn't lose thirty to three to a team. I, you just sh- you shouldn't lose thirty to three, Chris, and and especially when the strength of what you have as a football team is is. Coming back and is in the game, your running game, and it did nothing. They got pushed around. They looked uh, lethargic, and I know they were down a lot of people, so we won't even talk about that. The bigger I will quite, say this. though. let me yeah, let me say the, okay. the
5: you could tell Osiris's presence was for sure certainly missed up front there. Uh, I thought Jack Miller did some some decent things at yeah. times. I'm with you though. Like you, you're telling me that Florida doesn't have better players than Oregon State. I want to say Oregon State's recruiting class last year was in the fifties somewhere. Like that was what was embarrassing to me having to leave that stadium on Saturday afternoon, having Oregon state people talking trash to us like that, that was not uh, something that we're typically putting up with Some middle of the road, Pac-12 team that's (laughs) able to clown us leaving the, leaving the stadium. So that, that, that was hard for me to stomach too. And I, again, we can go back and say, Hey man, it was a lot of guys sat out just like the Oregon or excuse me, the Oklahoma sugar bowl a few years ago. And and maybe that, you know, judging the team on, on the way that they play in a bowl game is not fair anymore. But I do think that there should be better talent, regardless of if they haven't played much this year. They should be able to be more competitive than a 27-point loss to a, an average Pac-12 team. All right,
1: it looks like Florida, you know, be closer to number 10 than they will top three when this recruiting class settles itself. I, I, I've i seen reports that maybe Graham Mertz will commit. I, I can't tell you how much I hate that addition. That doesn't do a thing for me, but the big... <laughs> Who, who is the quarterback of this football team? Do you think when they go to Utah in September, Chris, who runs out as the starter?
5: I have no idea, man. I would be completely uh, lying to you if I had yeah. any sort of idea. I, I was hoping that uh, McCall might be yeah. that guy, perhaps, but um, I don't. I don't know at this point. And, and shoot, there's still still time left with the transfer portal. You don't know who's going to be, you know, deciding that maybe they're not happy and, and put their name in it. But golly, I would love the. I'd love to have the the, the guy be somebody that's a, a high school recruit that comes in and mm-hmm. and can um, you know provide some hope for the next few years rather than a a one year gap stop that uh, we're going to find ourselves in this situation again next
1: December. Yeah, especially when you're you're this isn't a team that's going to get a transfer portal quarterback and be eleven and one and in the playoff discussion. Uh, one thing's clear: the way this season ended. We're a couple years away from sniffing that kind of success it, it at least that's what I the overall feeling that I'm left with so you know, I do think though, can,
5: you can change over the roster much quicker than you used to be able to I mean you can address holes much quicker than you used to be able to but at the same time like you guys remember this when I was in school there were a lot of uh, programs that would try to do that with junior college guys mm-hmm. We didn't do that much at Florida and most of the time when you did bring a junior college guy in it never really, worked out that well. I mean, Lawrence Hatch was probably maybe the most accomplished junior college guy that I can remember that we brought in when I was there and he did a nice job in the secondary. But like finding a guy in the transfer portal, there's a lot of risk involved with it too. I mean, you may miss on that. He may not fit culturally. You may have an an issue acclimating to the scheme that you're using. So it's like not, I, I, I think it's, easier than it was with junior college guys but i don't think it's necessarily a slam dunk that you're going to go out and address those things and and always have it be perfect
1: especially when it comes to sustaining chris appreciate it today again a perfect guest to remind everyone and not absolutely lose your mind depending on which five star you hit or miss on uh here's a guy that went you know one of the best receivers in sec history one of the most productive uh, the most productive in florida history uh had to beg for an opportunity. So we're thankful to have you with us, Chris. I as always appreciate your insight. Uh, have yeah, mer- thank you guys. Ha- yeah, have a very Merry Christmas.
5: Merry Christmas to you guys, too. All right, Take thank care.
1: You. All right, there you go. That's uh, Chris Doring. That's the Doring Report, brought to you by Anna Jarr and Levine Accident Attorneys. Call 1-800-747-FREE. That's 1-800-747-3733. All right, we got a lot cooking here today on 1010XL. It's National Signing Day. Again, we'll keep you up to date uh, all day long when it comes to that with our uh, exclusive recruiting coverage brought to you by Harold and Harold. So stay tuned for any updates. The break Right now, just uh, all quiet on the Western front at this point. I mean, kids are barely getting to school, but as the day uh, progresses, and we appreciate our conversation there with Chris Doring, when it comes to all things recruiting, we had a really cool story to develop. It was fun and it was funny and it was creative and it was well done on social media. It involved a Jaguars fan trying to beg permission from his wife to go to the New York game. It was mission accomplished. It was successful. And that dude's going to join his next segment, so um, it was just it was it was fun for a guy who's not even I'm again famously Twitterless Jeff, but I'm not uh, unaware of social media, and I I get either get forwarded or I track down some of the cool stories, and this was one of them. And we'll take you a little more inside of that uh, coming up. I um, you know when we talked to Tony on Breakfast with Baselli earlier this week, we hadn't yet gotten. Uh, we had not yet gotten the, you know, his opinions, you know, after watching the film on Walker Little. So I I, I circle back with Tony. It's a big game coming up, man. That Jets defensive line is for real now. There are some grown men that play with some, some anger on that D-line. The Jets defense is really good. It'll probably be the best defense the Jags have played this year. You may could have argued Dallas, so that's a good sign seeing what the Uh, the team was able to do against the Cowboys. But uh, asking Tony now for an update on on Walker Little. Here's what he texted me back. I'll share it with you guys. He did a good job coming off the bench. Uses hands better than I'd seen in the past. Needs to finish better in pass blocking. We'll get a better feel for it this week. So that is about what your naked eye, untrained, would have told you. You know, as long as you're not calling out Walker Little when he comes in for mistakes that are being made or, you know, bad plays allowed then I think that's about what you would uh, expect any kind of um, you know, report to include. We had breaking news this morning, and it's sad. Franco Harris has passed. Age of 72 only, man. Uh, Franco came out of Penn State. You know, he formed a, a, a tandem backfield there in Pittsburgh in their glory years, along with Rocky Blyer, who famously served in the Vietnam War and uh, came, overcame shrapnel, lodged in his legs to, to just— well, you want to talk about a team that knew how to build a winner. The Steelers at one point of their Super Bowl, like, every single player was drafted by them. And they've got, like, double-digit double, double digit Hall of Famers from those efforts back in the day. I mean, all the dynasties that we've had, and I know the game has changed. There wasn't the free agency that there is now. There, You had larger draft classes, so, you know, you draft 16, 18 guys, you're better able to hit on, you know, long running, long-standing, really good players. But, boy, the Steelers just produced so many Hall of Famers from that era. Franco Harris certainly among them. Ironically, tragically ironically, they were going to have a, you know, it was kind of going to be a weekend to remember the Immaculate Reception, which happened 50 years ago now. Steelers, Raiders, playoffs. You know, Franco made that catch. was apparently going to be in Pittsburgh for the festivities and and now gone at the age of 72 this morning. I know that brings sadness to a lot of uh, old-school football fans. And a lot of uh, Steelers fans as well. Um, listen, the Jaguars are e- e- expect things on the Jets' defense to get a little saucy this Thursday night. The Jets hit an absolute grand slam when it comes to their first pick. They drafted this cornerback out of Cincinnati, right? I don't know. I mean, he's so Sauce gardener to me now. What's his first name? Is it Amon? What's his? What's Gardner's first name? Noriega. Huh? You don't know? <laughs> I sauce is what. It's Sauce Gardner, right? Give me, give me Is it Amon Gardner? It might be. I... be yeah, I need a little details here. He's sauce to all of us. I see when you know you've arrived, and you know you're great. We don't even know your first name. think hey, want I say it's a.
2: You are right, Amon Sauce Gardner.
1: All right, Amon Gardner. Sauce Gardner though is what <laughs> we call him, and he's brought the hot sauce to whoever. This kid is playing. You know, like an all pro in his rookie year, right? This this is a guy who's going to be anchoring down that position and held in high regard. And he's going to once you, once you establish that reputation, he's going to be a Pro Bowler year after year after year. Uh, Jets got the real deal in Sauce Gardner. The Jazz got to be aware of him on a rainy, windy, ugly night in uh, in New York City on Thursday night. Uh, so here is a press Taylor Jaguars offensive coordinator on uh, being careful of that sauce on the side. Got one.
3: Yeah,
4: he's played really well. They're built very different, but he's done a great job. He's really feisty. Um, you know, obviously with teams getting more and more attention to Sauce Gardner that it feels like teams are going after him a little more, but he's risen to the challenge. You know, they're playing really, really well. It's a really good pass defense. I think the stats would tell you that as well. Um, they play with high effort, and that kid's done a great job over there on, the, on his side as well.
1: All right, ESPN's crack staff of uh, scouting and film work and graders, has rolled out their 7th annual edition of Shutdown Index. It's where uh, this author, Matt Bowen, former player himself, picks the NFL's best defensive backs in 18 different categories and the league's best overall secondary. Now, this is a list where Jalen Ramsey'd win about four categories back when he was any good. Now he, st- he stinks. And any notice or due that Jalen Ramsey get is strictly on what he's done in the past. If you've paid attention and objectively, which I don't watch uh, Jalen objectively, I just live for and search for the failures with the guy who screwed the Jaguars fan base more than I've ever seen an athlete screw a fan base. And then somehow gaslit everyone into thinking it was someone else's fault. And some of you in the audience are still Jalen Ramsey gaslit. You'll die Jalen Ramsey gaslit. Somehow taking his side in the ridiculous showdown. But this isn't about Jalen. This is about the best defensive backs who show up in these categories. Uh, Jalen, by the way, spoiler alert, did show up in one, but I literally read it and thought, is this a joke? Are you joking me? Let's go through who, though, uh, they actually used in their shutdown index. And If you go back and look at the other archives, again, uh, Jalen would show up in numerous categories. Best overall secondary goes to the Philadelphia Eagles. Darius Slade, James Bradbury have been terrific. Uh, their slot cornerback, Avante Maddox, has been good. Their safeties have been good. CJ Gardner Johnson, the former Gator, right now out with a lacerated kidney, has been terrific for them. Um, the runner up was the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Jags, by the way, have faced both those secondaries this year, haven't they? Best coverage skills winner is. I'm hoping for some Tyson Campbell love as I read through this. The winner for best coverage skills, Pat Sertan of the Denver Broncos, young uh, player. Built ideally, 6'2", 202. Uh, The runner-up, Darius Slay. What, Camden County for Darius Slay, I believe, right up the road. Came over to the Eagles from Detroit. It doesn't always work. It's worked. Most complete safety, Minka Fitzpatrick of the Steelers. Nice trade, Dolphins. Runner-up, Derwin James, the former uh, FSU Seminole with the Chargers. Best range at quarterback, which I'm assuming your ability to get all over the field, overlap from the boundary to the the hash. Uh, They say Marcus Williams of the Baltimore Ravens. Runner-up, Jesse. This is a safety, by the way, safety category. JC, uh, Jesse Bates the third for Cincinnati. Best press man cover, J.C. Horn of the Carolina Panthers. Runner-up, A.J. Terrell of the Falcons. Terrell, a kid who did not come out in WoW right away. He has emerged into that role. Best zone quarterback, we go Jair Alexander for a Green Bay. No no Jalen there. Runner-up, various Ward, San Francisco. Also not named Jalen. Best cornerback, Ball Hawk. Uh, a rookie, Tariq Woolen for uh, Seattle. They had a grand slam with that pick. Uh, the runner up there was James Bradbury. The Eagles show up again. Best safety ball hawk, Jordan Poyer of the Bills. Uh, runner up, C.J. Gardner-Johnson of the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, showing up. Best transition speed, Slay again. Darius Slay of the Eagles. Runner up, Denzel Ward of the Browns. Best safety at run support, another Eagle, Marcus Epps. Cameron Curl of the Commanders. And then this is, I kind of chuckled. Best cornerback in run support. Jalen Ramsey? He never struck me as a big physical tackling corner. Apparently, he has become that in L.A. now that he can't cover anyone. Uh, He does have 69 tackles this year. Uh, But continuing, best blitzing safety, Derwin James. Chargers shows up again, runner-up. Donovan Wilson, Cowboys. Best rookie corner, well, we just talked about him, Sauce Gardner. Uh, Tariq Woolen, who's also on the list already. Best rookie safety, Kyle Hamilton of the Ravens. The Notre Dame uh, draft pick, Juwan Brisker of the uh, Bears. Best slot corner, LeJarius Snead of the Chiefs. Mike Hilton of the Bengals. No Jags anywhere. Most versatile corner, Marlon Humphrey on the list again. Desmond King of the Texans shows up. Most versatile safety, Kyle Duggar of the uh, Patriots. Kevin Byard of the Titans. Still no Jags. Best tone setter. I'm saying, you know, like, Popia. Maybe, I mean, can we get some love for Cisco, who basically knocked out half of the Chiefs roster in one game? But the best tone setter goes to Talanoa Hufanga of the 49ers, Buda Baker of the <sighs> Cardinals is runner-up. And then we're to our last category, three under-the-radar defensive backs. So they don't really win a best of, but here are three under-the-radar. Safety Derek Forrest of Washington, cornerback Kader Kohu of Miami, and... Andre Sisco. Here's what they write about our safety. You see the half-field ability with Cisco, Range to the boundary. Downhill transition speed. He strikes receivers on contact. The second-year pro out of Syracuse has three interceptions and 10 pass breakups this year. Yeah, the safety, it's a... It's a uh, you wonder why, overall, the defense isn't better. It's got to be the pressure. Our corner should be okay, man. Tyson Campbell's a good player. Darius was a decent player. Shaq Griffin was always an okay player. The, the safeties are both, right? Jenkins is having his best year. Cisco's looked at as an up-and-comer. And Wiegert has filled in great. I mean, you could argue that the secondary, although we point so much of the criticism that way, you could argue they're doing their job. Before we go to break, we had big news breaking overnight in baseball as well. It's, it's day. I'm glad that my cohort, Dan Hicken, is off. The Mets now have signed... Carlos Correa, the terrific shortstop to a 12-year deal. He had agreed to terms with the Giants almost a week ago, but uh, they say that the problems with the physical arose, other issues. He never signed. And a dozen about face, he signs with the New York Mets. So the Braves kind of sitting still, call it confidence, call it arrogance. But while they've lost their shortstop, an all-star level shortstop, they've watched the division go get Trey Turner and Carlos Correa. I mean, in AA, you trust in Atlanta, but sheesh, man, let's do something here. This is the drill. All right, we come back on the other side. A, uh, <laughs> a man of the people goes to the people for suggestions. He comes up with a terrific idea. We'll let you know if he won or lost his challenge to talk the wife into letting him go to New York this week. So uh, that's the story that played out on, I guess, is it Twitter, uh, ET? Yep, Twitter. So some of you may have followed along, but uh, we'll go straight to the horse's mouth. And uh, certainly more football talk. Um, we start the ten-minute drill uh, that we got to throw your way at some point today. So uh, stay tuned for that. We'll probably do that here coming up at uh, eight twenty or eight thirty. We're going to keep you updated with any and all news from the recruiting trail as ten ten XL coverage all day, brought to you by Harold and Harold uh, keeps up us abreast of that. So it's a working man's Wednesday, and we are hard at it. Eight o'clock straight up. We're back with more on ten ten XL ninety two point five FM. <laughs> All right, we're back. It's game week, baby. What a big one tomorrow night in New York City. All right, now look. I'm old, bro. I've been married a long time. I've already raised my kids. They're they're grown and gone and not ready to have kids of their own, okay? Right. So I have ultimate freedom. Like, you you young married cats that, you know, have to beg and plead for permission to do things. And I'm not even saying that mean. That's just how it goes. We've all been there. We've all done it. That will pass. One day, you'll just, you know, I can do whatever I want every day. There's no, you know, getting permission to do anything. But I do remember, I mean, I remember it's it's sometimes nerve-wracking to get permission to go play golf with your buddies when you got a wife and kids at home. And I get it. That's part of it. So, for all of you out there, for all of you 20, 30-somethings with young families or wives and, you know, you're trying to get permission to go to Orlando for a bowl game or to you know, to play golf tomorrow, and to meet the boys for happy hour, whatever it is, you have a new hero, you have a new model to go to. As we bring in on the fair and Farrar phone lines, my man Pedro, who um, pulled off a whopper. All right, he didn't. He, he not didn't carve out a you know a tea time. He didn't talk her into letting him go fishing. No, Pedro has gotten the uh, beautiful bride to agree to let him to go to New York City for the Jags game. Now, if this was as simple as that and just some dude talking his wife into letting him go, this wouldn't be a story, and Pedro wouldn't be joining us now live on the air. Pedro, tell folks the tack that you took to guarantee your trip to New York.
6: Yeah, so uh, after she said no... Um, so you did,
1: First of all, let's start
6: here. You, <laughs> okay. ask her,
1: you ask her, and she said no. For most of us, that's the end. We put our tail between our legs, we grumble to ourselves, and we walk out of the house. So take us from the initial no to the question, hey, honey... Can I go to the to the Jets-Jags game this Thursday night? All right, anyway, she says no.
6: Yeah, so, yeah, after the Cowboys game, I was on such a high, you know, I get home and I go, hey, baby, let me go to, you know, Thursday night football in, in New Jersey, and she's like, no. <laughs> so, after that, I was like, all right, all right. So, after work the next day, I just got kind of bored, and, you know, I make PowerPoints all the time for work. So, I was like, well, why don't I make a PowerPoint for her? Uh, you know, uh convince her to let me go to the game. So that's kind of where the idea came from.
1: All right, so you you create this PowerPoint and I, I'm looking at it now on Twitter. I mean it's fantastic. It just shuffles from sheet to sheet. If you guys have seen professional PowerPoints out there in your in your work, in your occupation, um this just hits every you know, this hits every hot spot. You initially start with Trevor is him. How did that work with the wife? Do you think that Trevor being quote him, did that help your chances? That's item one on the PowerPoint
6: I'm seeing. Yeah, she's not really in a football, but she's seen me live through a lot of bad quarterback play. Uh, you know, my time as a Jaguars fan. So she was like, "Okay, if he's good, that's that's actually uh, that's a good selling point." So you go,
1: you go from Trevor as him. Uh, you 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 PowerPoint your parents can babysit. Uh, you PowerPoint that you can go shopping while I'm gone I don't know who this Paul cat is but either she's uh, likes him or he's a good friend because you say Paul uh, from Twitter will be going uh, you throw in that he's playing against Zach Wilson of course doesn't mean anything to her because she doesn't um, follow football that much and then uh, finally and really important uh, you'll be home for Chris's so you pre- how do you present the PowerPoint do you just just like like text it to her do you email do you have a big formal you know overhead projector when you get home
6: well, that night she was uh, she was at a holiday party at a retirement community she works at, and um, she just she saw it on the news before I got a chance to tell her. She, so I, she sees my she sees my face up on the TV saying get Pedro to New York. So so she <laughs> so she, she me, calls me and goes go ahead. Go
1: ahead. <laughs> I'm guessing then that was was it Hickens Station? Is that what happened? Like somebody saw this on Twitter because you first went out on Twitter. Hey gang, I, you know, I'm putting together a PowerPoint, try to get the wife to let me go to New York. So is that what happened? They saw that. And then they, like I'm doing now, wanted to talk to you about it.
6: Yeah. Yeah. I've had a couple of news stations and radio shows reach out. I think the first to pick it up was action news, but uh, yeah. yeah, it was, it, it was, it was so funny. So she sees it and she calls me, she says, What did you do? She thinks you've been arrested. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm not sure that that's not more effective than the PowerPoint. I mean, your poor wife is minding her own business. She turns on TV and then it looks like you're some like captive prisoner, like she's holding you, like she's been holding you hostage. And uh, so she sees that, you, it calls you, you explain to her. And how did she take the news that you're this far along to the point that you're on the news and this is the first she's hearing of it?
6: Well, what I had to make clear is that. I just made a PowerPoint, yeah, and I put it on Twitter. So she she called me. She was like, "You you orchestrated all this," and I'm like, "No, no, I just made the Twitter, and it went up on on the news." And it uh, she goes, "Well, where does this leave us?" And I'm like, "I don't know." And She's like, "Well, I guess you're going."
1: So you, so, winner Pedro, it works. Is what you're telling is you do the PowerPoint, you get on the news. Now this is going to work for a guy that wants to play golf this Saturday, and the wife says, "No, it's Christmas Eve." But in your particular case, the PowerPoint the Twitter campaign, the uh, and then the news media following suit, you would say that's what got you to New York for the game on Thursday.
6: Yeah, yeah. And it was a support of everybody on Twitter. You know, they made a blow up and and it got picked up everywhere, so... It, it, it has to do with that for sure.
1: <laughs> now, listen, I, you know, I mean, far be it for me to manage your trip, but you're red hot right now. A little GoFundMe right now might might work in your, might might work in your favor. <laughs> might work in your favor as well, uh, Pedro. So you'll be taking the trip up. You're going with buddies, I guess. Are you going with he said Paul from Twitter? or What are we doing?
6: So actually, I don't know Paul, but, okay. but uh, you know, shout out to Paul. Okay. Um, but but I'm going. I'm actually flying out tomorrow morning. Um, I had to talk to my boss, and my boss he doesn't really watch football, but. She just loved the story so much. She's like, "Yes, yeah, off we can go ahead and go." Um, so I'm flying out with one of my friends, uh, my friend Chevy. So we're gonna we're gonna fly tomorrow. Well,
1: have you and have you been to New York before?
6: No, it'll be my first
1: time. Yeah, well, it's awesome. It's a great stadium. It's it's a great story. You're a good fan, man. We need more fans like that. I mean, we watch half of our stadium go to the opponents, but we got dudes willing to fly up to New York. And uh, one last thing, Pedro, you better bring us back a win. or I'm gonna burn that PowerPoint. How about that? <laughs> you got it. Yeah, I'm hoping
6: for a win. I think we should get it.
1: All right, my man. Well, we appreciate you taking a little time out. Congratulations. It's excellent work. I mean, I speak for all the guys out there who've ever begged permission. Way to get it done. Way to represent.
6: Hey, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I'll be there repping. We're going to get this W. All right. Go
1: Jags. All right, I like it. There he goes. That's Pedro. Pedro's a hero. Fair and fair and phone line. What do you think, E.T.?
2: Oh, man, he, he huh? said the tone, man.
1: It's a tone setter, man. And,
2: and wife, I think wifey kind of feel the pressure into I letting him I think so, go. sure. There's no way that she could have said no. No.
1: <laughs> and I don't know, you know, we're not getting into what it costs and where their situation is and what the kids are. All I know is that my man wanted to go. He got told no, and he didn't take no for an answer. He went, uh, you know, he went on from there. ET, remind everyone what sound they will hear as recruiting news breaks across the day here on 1010XL.
3: Coverage of college football's early signing period on 1010XL is brought to you by the personal injury law firm of Harrell & Harrell.
1: All right, it's early, early right now, just 8-15, and, you know, the big signings, the big names, we've had nothing that's just jumped off the page at us. You know, I've said this all along. There are certain sports, certain nuances that if you're into it as much as some of you are, you're not going to learn anything from me or anyone on the station today. You know, what we will do is give a guide and give some reaction about their local prospects or uh, those that uh, our audience is most uh, interested in. And we'll keep you up to date as best we can. But, man, if you're, like, deep it, it's like like, this is like, you know, all of a sudden pretending like we know more World Cup than the biggest soccer fans out there. By the way, did you see, like, Thirty million people showed up for the Argentina.
2: That jump was crazy.
1: It got so congested and bad that someone said they should make it a national holiday. Guess what? They did. It got so crazy they had to take them out on helicopters. They had to like yeah. evacuate them from the buses. Oh man, that jump was bad. Yeah, that was that was crazy. Anyway, back to um, but but that's another example. If you're a World Cup soccer, or you're recruiting. You're a recruit, Nick. You know, don't sit here and tiss tiss that we're getting this, that, or wrong. We're going to hit the the nuts and bolts. And as we go through the day and we get more information, and and certainly, you know, Hacker on the high school scene and Matt Hayes with his college uh, ties are, are going to bring you more insight than I can this morning. But I will play Traffic Cop for you and tell you, as the day starts, I prefer to go to the ON3 database. And it's, like I said, ON and then the number 3 because it combines – Whichever one you like, whether you like Rivals or 24-7 or ESPN or CBS or whatever you're using, the ON3 recruiting uh, database, it, it combines them all. So you get like this conglomeration of opinion and where things stand there, what do you know, Alabama 1, Georgia 2. And again, as the day starts. And typically what you find are the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Ohio States of the world, they don't typically have a lot of bad news break their way on this day. What they end up doing is grabbing someone that you didn't think they would. No, the bad news is usually relegated for that program a step below. See the 170 miles southwest of us. Miami has made a run uh, of cash. And and again, it is what it is. It's not against the rules. I am not saying this with any, uh, you know, any, any prejudiced. Miami is loaded up the checkbook, and uh, recruits have followed. They are now up to number three overall. Three five-star prospects. Just for comparison, Georgia has zero. Ohio State is number four. Notre Dame is number five. Texas is six. Uh, LSU is seven. At one point, you'd find Florida up to as high as six or seven or lingering at eight. They have fallen all the way to nine as Billy Napier's first official recruiting class takes shape. Now, he was the coach last year, but didn't have much time to get work done. They have... You know, they, they have laid a lot of groundwork down there. They are trying to quote change the culture. He seems content that they've done that. Number nine isn't terrible. It's a starting point. to have to get better. That's for sure. There are some uh analytics. You know, the overall average of their of their player is a little bit higher than nine. In other words, Oklahoma is eight, but their average grade on their player is ninety-one point one. Florida's ninety-one point five. Um which is really in line. That's higher than number three, Miami. It's really in line with with anyone there. There's no five stars, a bunch of four stars. This is a good recruiting effort if he can hold on to it. And it's, I think, just hard right now to balance as a Gator fan how just brutally disappointed you are with the execution of this football season and the way it went. And if I got a guy that can't make more out of a first-round quarterback, and you guys can make fun and say all you want, I don't care. At the end of the day, Anthony Richardson is a good college football player, skill set, and otherwise, ceiling is much greater than most quarterbacks who will go through down there. And to get nothing out of that, and now, I mean, if you miss it yesterday, the Gators apparently are getting this Graham Mertz from Wisconsin through the transfer portal. That is gross. Throw open your mouth, gross. And it's just in. If the Gators start Graham Mertz at quarterback next year, they're going to be 6-6 six and six again. I'd rather go with Jalen Rashada, speaking of recruiting day, as one of the Gators uh, biggest names. He's a four star that they flipped from the University of Miami. He's from he's a California kid. I'd rather go with a young kid and grow with him and let his moxie carry. And not these castoffs from Big Ten programs that, quite frankly, we already the Gators already have one. So that's where things stand. Uh, rounding out the top ten is Clemson. Now, some other programs of interest: uh, Tennessee is eleven. USC is only twelve, but it's because you know they they they're top heavy though. They got three five stars. But nine three-stars. Tennessee, 12 three-stars. See, Florida only has four three-stars. So, that's why their overall average prospect is a really, is a higher number. Now, among those prospects uh, for the Gators is a local. And this was an important one. Trayon Webb was a good get for Florida. He has uh, hung tough with them. We've seen other running backs decide to go other places. So, Trayon Webb is going to be the bell cow at the running back position uh, for the Florida Gators. After playing out at Trinity Christian, he's the nephew of D. Webb, who was an All-American defensive back at Florida. D. Webb played uh, for the Jaguars, Jaguars draft pick, a late-round pick, and actually played a little bit here. Uh, So, Webb will make it official uh, when he signs on the dotted line today and never – uh, once he settled on Florida, didn't waver and is excited about his future with the Orange and Blue?
7: Just the relationship with the coaches, you know, just academics. That was a big part of it, too. You know, just being a Gator, you know, you kind of grow up, especially in Jacksonville, you really kind of grow up knowing the Georgia Bulldogs and Florida the Gators, so being able to play for any one of those teams, was you know, just a blessing.
1: All right. Um. So listen, all your recruiting news again. You just listen for uh, that Farrell and Farrell report. That jingle that'll let you know that uh, Harrell and Harrell, I should say, making up names. Uh. That'll let you know uh, what's coming ahead. And and again, it's early. Kids are just getting to school. There's not a bunch of, you know, uh, stuff that's going to happen. There are some, you know, big name uncommitteds that Florida's still in on. There doesn't seem to be a lot of you know, smoke or juice or momentum toward it breaking their way. But if something like that uh, does happen, again, you'll hear it today and you'll be um, you'll be well alerted as the staff is out and about, um, you know, making sure we give you the best signing day coverage that we can. There are premier days that happen on the sports calendar over the course of the year. And, you know, in addition to the, to the players championship and draft day and you know, a thousand other things, this is one of them. All right, this is the drill. We'll come back with a 10-minute drill. Also, uh, stay tuned for that at the end. We'll give you a chance to take home a prize pack today here in the holiday season, but uh, the headlines from around the sports world, and there were some big ones. We had big breaking news in the sports world overnight uh, in the world of baseball, so thoughts on that and the Mets uh, sweeping in. You want to talk about a flip on signing day? Uh, How about a $315 million flip for the New Yorkers? I'm glad Dan Hicken's not here today. I think the Knicks have won eight in a row, too. Just a very glad that I'm not going to see that joker for a couple of weeks. This is The Drill on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, we're back. Before we get to the 10-Minute Drill and your chance to take home a little Christmas gift, let you, I, apparently this is uh, being called a uh, you know a massive speed trap alert. It's over on 9B North, so if you're going uh, my neck of the woods, really, St. Johns County there from the parkway, it cut over on 9B between 95 and, and 295. Through E-Town. Still don't know what E-Town is, but it sounds cool. Uh, you go. Th- that's where you should live, by the way. You should live in E-Town.
2: Yeah, it's fitting.
1: Yeah. Uh, anyway, big, big, big northbound uh, speed trap going on over there. The speed trap alert is brought to you by Catlin Truck Accessories. Uh, radar detection and everything else that you need. I really, during this bad weather, I love having that roll and lock bed cover. Or, you know, at the top, roll and lock top. It's just fantastic. It keeps everything, you know... Uh, uh, dry uh, from the uh, text line <laughs> designed by Lifetime Enclosures, our man uh, Pedro getting a lot of getting a lot of love today, as he should. Uh, PowerPoint laugh emoji. This is going to be epic, and it was. Pedro's the goat. We get that. Um, uh, this little bit of bad news for Pedro's wife. Yeah, I'm in New York. Storm coming here. He won't be home for Christmas. It might be another win for for Pedro. Uh, and then a googan the reality. And again, this is how I prefaced our visit. Thanks for reminding me how long it's been since I played around to golf. I got a one month old and a two and a half year old. Yeah, I feel you, friend. I mean, with Mrs. P, the lovely Mrs. P and I weren't married a year and we had twins. Right? We got married in April. I had twins in March. Apparently we couldn't wait. Then we had another daughter, 17 we had a daughter 17 months behind the boys. You know, we haven't been married two years. I'm in zone coverage with three kids. Then we figured out what causes it, and things changed.
3: The 10 minute drill. This is a big one. It's brought to you by J Dog Junk Removal, veteran owned and operated. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! On 1010XL.
1: Hit it! All right, before we do the 10 minute drill, I also want to share this one too, because then there's always the contrarian, the tough guy out there, right? Who is that guy? Right, about the Pedro. If you missed our last segment, shame on you. It was glorious. We talked to the dude who uh, put a PowerPoint together to help convince his wife to let him to go to New York for the Jags game. And so there's always one of these tough guys, right, that check in on the text line. Real men run their households. They don't have to ask for permission for anything. To which I responded, so real men get divorced. <laughs> That's where real men go there, Chief. So you, uh, you, you, keep, um, you keep believing that. I think there's some cynicism there, some sarcasm. Um, <laughs> the E Town motto. Come on, somebody. Somebody Come suggested on. that. All right, let's get to the 10-minute drill. Stick around at the end. Um <laughs> uh, one more from the Tech Sign. They're they're tickling me today. This is our boy Casey. Uh where was Pedro when I tried to convince the wife to let me go to Atlanta to see him play in the World Series? Damn you, Pedro. Hey man, PowerPoint, baby. The listen. Uh, here's another little dirty secret for all you guys listening out there. Many of your wives don't listen to the drill. So you got a great little, you know, strategy here that she very well will never know about until you unleash it on her. All right. Now, enough of this uh, nonsense. Let's get to the 10 minute drill.
2: Uh, as you uh you mentioned earlier, Frank O'Hara passed away. Yeah. And what I know him most of, I never got to see him play, but what I most know of, at least the name, is the Immaculate Reception. Sure. Probably one of the most historical plays of all time, I think so. Yeah, where, uh, how, how, like, it's probably—I I don't know. Whenever I think of historical plays, I think of the Immaculate Reception. I'll I think of that, and I think of OBJ.
1: You know what? That's a—that's that, good. <laughs> I mean, there's uh, the NFL has a lot to offer. It—it's it, certainly very close to the most famous play in NFL history. Yeah, it, it got to be. It's yeah, up there. It's definitely up there because of the stakes. Because you have to understand too. Now that Raiders, that Raiders Steelers rivalry there in the seventies. That was real. Now, those were two mean black and blue teams right. with really great players. They didn't like each other. It Was East Coast West Coast? They had a lot of battles in the postseason through the years and in the regular season. And this was a playoff game. I think it sent the Steelers onto the Super Bowl, if I remember, or at least kept them alive. And the Raiders and Steelers gave, uh, along with the Dolphins, gave just about every memory of the AFC of that decade. So. That made that play bigger as well, and there was just the mystery around it.
2: Still, there's still a mystery. around Yeah, there's around
1: a mystery. It. There is no no camera caught the end because of the way they didn't have a hundred cameras at games then, like we do now. Uh-huh. You know, so they have three or four cameras probably, and you know, also that play would be insignificant today. Et, did you know that? Why there used to be a rule that the defender had to touch you could not catch a deflection off of your own teammate. So in other words, if if I'm running across the middle on a short route, and it bounces off my hands and it goes over the defender to a teammate, that was not a legal play in football. The, wow. de- the defender could tip it. Right. So that was another layer to to you know uh, the drama uh, and to the controversial side of it is because you also weren't sure did the Raiders defender hit it first or did it go off the, the Steelers' receiver first? Because if it went off the Steelers' receiver first, the play would not be allowed. That would have been an infraction. And then the ball bounced back, and, you know, by all accounts, he did grab it just before it hit the ground, but there's no camera angle of him catching it. You see one where he's in frame and his arms go down, but it ends at like his waist, right there, right. Yeah. But, yeah, a little-known fact is because the rules have, have evolved through the years, but back then, the rule was – the offensive player had to be the first, you know. If you, you you couldn't be the second player on offense touching the ball, you could catch a deflection off of a defender. But if your own teammate deflected a ball, if it went off of him, it was not a it was not a legal catch if you caught it. So, so much around that. I'm not sure it's not the most famous play in NFL history. I, we we can, you know, we can debate that. Now's not the time for it. We got plenty of you know uh, ongoing timely content, but it was a big big play i think it's right up there and with all the you know with any other all-time play in nfl history
2: what's your concern level with matt stafford man the rams are in trouble by the way if i as, as if we didn't say this already
1: yeah i well the rams are in big trouble the arrow's pointing down they've spent all the cash to excess they've given away all their draft picks and they're not that good and they've and and you know facing some adversity this year they haven't answered at all they're It's amazing how you can go from Super Bowl champion to really looking like you're no good. Like, you look at the Rams, and I know they're missing guys, important guys from last year's uh, team that won it all, including quarterback Matthew Stafford of late, including Cooper Cup, hasn't been out and about. So, you know, but they just, they do not look at all like it's like, this is a one-year blip and they're going to be back. And he brings up Matthew Stafford because Stafford, um... You know, kind of said yesterday that oh, I'm not retiring. I'll be back. Well, good luck. You're going to go also go back to your Detroit days and go about six and eleven next year. Right. It, it looks like
2: the Argentina parade, man. Um I saw a little bit. Remember, there was a Bulls parade once when the Bulls won the 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 championship with Jordan one year. Uh huh. I want to say it was an estimated two million people there. Yeah. The I, I want to say with the Argentina parade. I want to say they said it was five million people.
1: It was just, uh, let's see, Argentina. It was a, uh, it. was
2: crazy. And it's scary. That is scary.
1: Yeah, an estimated 4 million people in the streets Tuesday afternoon yesterday, according to local media. And they so surrounded the buses that they had to move to helicopters due to the crowd to get them out of there. By the way, I also saw this. Uh, this might make a trending, but uh, Lionel Messi, his post, his celebratory post on Instagram was the most liked post yeah. in the history of social media. That's, yep. So anyone, again, who's – and I don't think people do now. I don't think people doubt soccer's popularity worldwide. I mean, we used to even look down our nose at even anyone liking it at all. I think there's now at least a more, you know, uh, un- a better understanding and, you know, almost agreement that it is a very, very popular sport. It's the most popular sport in the world, and and these are just a couple of the examples uh, why. And again, it's con- you got to understand – we lose sight of this in this country where we're so entitled and spoiled and stuck up and selfish and disharmonious with each other we bicker about stupid silly things that are all based on our excesses all the great excesses of rights and privileges and things that we have most countries love their country if their country goes and wins something right. man it's like it's like taking a passionate fan base and expanding it to to the borders of the entire country you never get that kind of you know, um, unanimity here in the U.S. on anything now because, again, we just, we... we So we, divisive. Yeah, we petulant and divisive about <laughs> ex- about excess. About excess. We all have a lot, but they have more. We all need this, but they get less. It's just, it's disgusting. Most countries, however, aren't like that, and that's what you see with four... I don't know what the population of Argentina is. Uh, 20, 30 million, maybe? I mean, you literally have a quarter of the population probably on hand to celebrate the biggest achievement that a sports fandom can have outside of this country, almost anywhere would be winning a World Cup, you know? And and Argentina doing that and the coronation of Messi as a goat, it's just, uh, it's a good story. And we've talked about how it, it played out, um, you know, with the two best teams, two best players, 45 million. So, yeah, one-tenth, 10% of the population was at the parade of the mm. entire country. Could you imagine a parade here that had 300 and... Or at 36 million people at it, yeah. That would be the, that would be a tenth of our uh, country. Uh, we had a big baseball move. Uh, you definitely got to mention that the the Mets have gone and landed Carlos Correa, who uh, had a deal with the Giants, backed out and pulled out on that. Uh, and now this is the payroll. This is what happens when you get an owner with deep pockets. And some Mets fans were kind of complaining that they weren't spending it. This is a you know this is a great turn again. Uh, that's fine. Talk to me in September. We'll see who wins the division. If you think Braves fan is cowering in the fetal position at what the Phillies and Mets are doing, we'll rely on the DNA. DNA matters. And the best DNA in the division by a mile belongs to the Atlanta Braves. And so Atlanta hadn't had any of these splashy, you know, uh, uh, mega-rich deals they've been handing out. But nonetheless, uh, I saw, even after Correa signs with the Mets, I saw... Uh, projections: The Braves are projected to win more games than anyone, so I'd say they're going to be okay. But anyway, this is the money since free agency began. The Mets have handed out. You ready? Correa three hundred fifteen million. Brandon Nimmo one hundred sixty-two million. Edwin Diaz one hundred two million. Justin Verlander eighty-six million. Kadai Senga seventy-five million. Just three fifteen. That's what four, uh, four eighty-five. $80, 80 750000000 million, and that doesn't get into some other multimillion-dollar deals with the uh, players that aren't quite that uh, big. All right, one other thing if we're going through what's uh, timely. Uh, the, the Gator basketball team hadn't had a losing record in conference in a long time. They haven't had very many uh, at all in the last maybe 40 years. They're going to this year. Well, whatever progress or whatever destination, whatever the ceiling is for the Todd Golden Gator basketball program, we're not going to come anywhere near seeing that this year. I've watched a lot of Gator basketball this year, uh, more than I should considering how average and hard what a hard watch it can be. Um, but again, there's one constant that has played out here this year, almost without exclusion. When the Gators play a good team, they get hammered. When the Florida Gator basketball team plays a good team, they, they get crushed by double digits. And it's arguable just how good a team Oklahoma is. Maybe not on the same level as some of the other good teams that have beaten Florida like a drum. But the Gators in conference play are going to be under five hundred this year. They're not going to make any postseason of any kind. And I say this with them sitting here 7-4, 7-5, whatever they are. They're not any good. And it's hard in one year with players transferring out to piece it together. Um, I guess we can let more play out, get an SEC play, and start to quibble maybe about certain things that Todd Golden is or isn't doing. But uh, the early returns are obnoxiously unappealing. Um, Florida is a below-average basketball team. It's the way they play game in, game out. And they may win three or four games the whole year in conference if they play the conference season like they played the pre-conference. How about a redraft of the 2021 NFL draft? Now, we've sat through some of these redrafts that have questioned Trevor Lawrence still going number one overall. That debate has been dead and buried as Trevor has proven to be by a mile the best quarterback, and I would put Justin Fields a mile behind him, and he's a good player. Well, a redraft of the top 15 with this week's game that should be a marquee matchup, right? It's looking now more like Peyton Manning against Ryan Leaf than it does the future of the position. But Trevor went one. Zach Wilson went two. It would not go that way with a redraft. We'll hear from Trevor Lawrence and go through this new amended top 15 when we return next. year. are listening to The Drill on 92.5 FM. All right, we got a prize pack for you. We'll take caller number three at 641-1010. Tell them what they are winning,
6: E.
2: Oh, I'm giving away a Peterbrook chocolate holiday gift basket plus a twenty-five dollar gift card to Fourscore Tavern in San Marco. This is all part of the 10XL Holiday Gift Guide. Visit 10XL.com for more holiday gift ideas.
1: Listen, sports is a great um, you know, avenue to go down memory lane. All right, there's nothing like sports to conjure up. You know, I was saying this to Mrs. P over the weekend, all right, again. Allow me my dalliances if you just take one more glimpse into my soul. But I'm I'm big on this like not even deja vu, but like this reminiscing, right? And when I when I was a kid, when I was about 12, we moved from Middle Tennessee, which is you know the mid south, very rarely cold or snowy, and we moved in the middle of there was a famous blizzard in 1979 into 1980 up in the up in the north, and that was the year we had it. So we moved to West Virginia and it literally we were snowed in for like a month I didn't go to school for a month after we moved there in early January but another thing that I was going to say I've always felt around this time of year you know I've either we've lived up north or I've you know gone on to college or to adulthood and my parents have lived up north and around the holidays there's like something in me that brings up sitting around a fire watching college basketball that specifically like I can just remember a kid watching Kentucky Notre Dame and there's a fire going like watching a college basketball game like it's a Jaguars game and so I had a real sense of reminiscence this past weekend it got cold I built a fire and I was watching you know Kentucky UCLA play basketball and it literally I just it took me back to my you know 19 year old self sitting home um, at college and I don't there's not much that that does that like sports does right there's so many different you know, games or feelings or, or moments that you remember in the Immaculate Reception. And, you know, tragically, it it, it it and ironically, it ends up syncing up with the passing of Franco Harris today as, you know, we celebrate the 50th anniversary of that great play. But anyway, I digress. Jay is on the fair and fair phone lines, wants to weigh in on uh, recollection himself. Hey, Jay, good morning.
8: Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, I had a funny uh, kind of a rumor, folklore that went on. I grew up, a am a yinzer. Okay. And the rumor has it that while they were figuring out if it was a touchdown or not, the ref went to the sideline, called upstairs, and asked how much police presence he could get if he called it against the Raiders. I've heard
1: that too. I've heard and, that too. Uh, <laughs> and
8: he said, "Yeah, you're on your own." And he said, uh, "Touchdown Steelers."
1: Catch Thanks, is so. good. I, you know what? That 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 might not be as silly as it sounds. Uh, thank you, Jay. That might not be as silly as it sounds. That stuff was for real back then. Now, right? I mean, yeah. The, the, and that was a you know this we are not um going to going to downsize the the heated hated rivalry that was the Steelers or Raiders again the the decade of the 70s in the AFC it was Steelers Raiders or Dolphins just about exclusively maybe a little flare up here or there but i bet you the stand without looking at it right now the Steelers uh, Raiders or Dolphins probably went to 8 of the 10 Super Bowls that decade i know the Broncos snuck one in there against the Cowboys in the middle of the decade but for the most part Uh, Those were the three teams, and the Steelers and Raiders in particular had some real bloodbaths, both regular season and uh, playoffs. So uh, what was supposed to be this matchup of the top two quarterbacks in last year's draft, don't forget when this season started, at the start line, Trevor was coming, coming off 12 touchdowns, 17 picks. Statistically, there was not a big difference between Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. And so when you looked at this game that was going to be played Christmas week in prime time, even back then, there was this sense uh, among many of, will we know who is the better player when those two play? Now, I was you know on Trevor all day long, even through the struggles last year. And when you're comparing him to Zach Wilson, I would have never have traded him at any point or never would have rather had Zach Wilson ever. It's not like Wilson – has been any good to start his career. And then now this year, he's just been a total separation. Trevor emerging as a top 10 quarterback in every category and Zach Wilson relegated to losing his job to former fifth rounders and now almost forced to play. But the two will match up uh, this weekend. And Trevor was asked in the media session yesterday, just what if any relationship he has with last year's number two pick.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've known him guess, like you said, since the the draft process, you know, we both trained out in California, pretty close to one another. So he trained with someone else, but um, I met him out there. We actually use the same chef, so met him out there. So I've seen him a few different times since then. Obviously, we played up there last year, um, and I, you know I've always had a good relationship with him. We've kept in touch, kind of loosely throughout the not really this season, but the off season and during the season last year, both being rookies. Um, so we kind of kept in touch, and you know root for him. Obviously, you know uh, we got a pretty good relationship. We're not super close necessarily, but you know I have a lot of respect for him and. Um, All that, you know, so that's, yeah. Uh,
1: A big part of this week's matchup will be two, two, I think, elements. One is we're certainly going to revisit the Jets winning a game they had no reason or benefit to winning. Beating the Rams and losing the number one overall pick or this game on Thursday would be spotlighting Trevor Lawrence, the New York Jets quarterback. That'll be one angle, right? The other angle is going to be just how... Much better Lawrence is than Wilson, and how the questions about whether or not Wilson is the guy moving forward will linger. This season has done that more than any. Trevor is number nine in the league in yards uh, passed, yards passing. Zach Wilson is thirty-first. Um, completion percentage. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is thirteenth, tied for twelfth actually at sixty-six percent. Completion percentage, Zach Wilson is thirty third. He's completed less than 55% of his passes. Touchdown passes. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is tied for fifth in the NFL with 24. Um, Zach Wilson is 31st. Zach Wilson has the same number of touchdown passes as Brock Purdy, who's played like 12 minutes this year. Do, do, do we need more? Uh, QBR. Uh, ESPN's version, Trevor Lawrence is 13th, 56.8. Zach Wilson is 26th, 43.6. And the more traditional passer rating, which used to include like 15 guys with an over 100 rating, that number's starting to come back a little bit. We only have six quarterbacks with a quarterback rating over 100. Trevor is number 10 in the NFL in quarterback rating, 96.6. Fantastic. It'd be the best quarterback rating in Jaguars history. Uh, Zach Wilson, if you're looking for a comparison, 31st at 75.3. One is a stud, one is a dud, and the two will meet Thursday night in New York. So when ESPN did a redraft this morning, friend of the program, Jordan Reed, authoring this, they redrafted the top 15 picks of the 2021 NFL draft. They put a subheadline Who goes number one? Uh, that doesn't seem like much of a question, but we'll just zip right down there. Number one, original pick, Trevor Lawrence. New pick, Trevor Lawrence. Here's what they write. There are plenty of directions the Jaguars could go in a 2021 redraft. Micah Parsons among the league's elite. Justin Fields has been amazing, but the Jaguars got it right the first time. Lawrence had a rocky rookie season, but he's had an awakening. He's playing franchise quarterback level football. He finished last season 12 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, now through 14 games this year. He's already doubled his touchdowns and cut down his picks. In his past six games, 14 touchdown passes, just one interception, 70% completion percentage. Overall, he ranks in the top 10 among quarterbacks in passing yards, touchdowns, and completions. Enough said. He's arrived. He's a stud. We're awesome. We're going to have him forever. This is great. This couldn't have gone any better. The team that's had so much go against him for so many years, it's all over on the right arm of number 16, who will be a Jag for life and will take them to much, much success, both team-wise and individual. It's a guarantee. Uh, number two, they took Zach Wilson. The new pick, yeah, you can imagine, Justin Fields. Right? Justin Fields should have been the pick. They would be so much. So it's not even about they should have, you know, too bad they didn't get Lawrence. The second big narrative is they took the wrong guy anyway. They should have Justin Fields. They'd be much better right now. Much better if they had
2: Justin Fields. They didn't even get a chance to get Lawrence.
1: Right. They didn't have that chance except for winning a game that, you know, again, you're a loser team that never wins. Why would you go win a game you don't need to?
2: Thanks, Frankie.
1: Right? Uh, this is This is what they say about Zach Wilson. Wilson's time with the Jets has been complicated. He's thrown 15 touchdowns, eight, 17 interceptions, and 21 starts. Benched last month. Returned because of Mike White's injury. He has completed just 55% of his passes over the past two seasons. All right, let's get to the others. Another terrible quarterback draft pick. Trey Lance of the Niners, number three. You dummies. They could have had Micah Parsons. He's the redraft. Number four, Kyle Pitts has not lived up to what he was supposed to be, and he did as a rookie, but he went backwards this year. Jamar Chase could be an Atlanta Falcon at number four. The Bengals took Chase at five. The new pick would be Rashawn Slater, an offensive tackle who's been terrific uh, for what, the Chargers, right? So the Bengals uh, lose Chase uh, earlier in the draft against Slater. Six, Miami took Jalen Waddle. He's been good, right? But they say the new pick would be Pat Sertan. The Lions' Panay Sewell would stay with that pick. At number eight, the Panthers took J.C. Horn, now with Waddle available. They say take him. The Broncos had Sertan. He jumped way up the list. The new pick would be Christian Derisaw, another offensive tackle. Uh, the Cowboys, well, actually, Philly traded up for this pick. They took uh, Devontae Smith, but instead, the Cowboys could have kept it and took J.C. Horn. Um... The Bears traded up to get the Giants' pick of Justin Fields. If the Giants had kept it, they say Devonte Smith. But really, the 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 action really is at the top. Uh, Kyle Pitts, by the way, the former Gator does not fall completely out of the uh, top fifteen. He would fall down to fourteen, where the Vikings uh, would take him. So uh, certainly some movement. But the great thing about it is, uh, by the way, because when we have this same exercise next year, just spoiler alert: next year when we redraft the twenty twenty two draft. I'm not sure yet who will be number one, but I damn sure know who won't. This is The Drill. We'll update you on the latest from the recruiting trail as, uh, you know, kids get up and going now, programs start to get some uh, letters coming in. We'll give you the very latest as we can. And, again, all day long here on 1010XL. We'll keep you up to date on National Signing Day. You're listening to The Drill on 92.5 FM.
3: Coverage of college football's early signing period on Ten Ten XL is brought to you by the Personal Injury Law Firm of Harold and Harold.
1: All right, listen. Uh, thanks to the uh, support of Harold and Harold, boys and girls here at Ten Ten X are going to keep you caught up all day. It's early on early signing day, so there's not a lot of breaking during our particular program, but it'll really heat up really um, about when we get done. And the, there's some stuff out there right now. I look with the early signing day. There's this trendy little. Um, You know, tagline, Mary Flipmas, So you kind of keep up with those prospects who have been expected to go one place and then uh, st- in, end up somewhere different. Uh, I got a few of those that have happened over the course of the last 24 to 48 hours. Uh, the most recent, is a big five-star offensive tackle named Caden Proctor was going to Iowa. What do you know? He's going to Alabama now. Hmm. Shocker. No pancakes. We'll just take Iowa's, you know, meat and potatoes. A quarterback, Dante Moore, a five-star, becomes the highest-rated quarterback ever for UCLA. He flipped from Oregon to UCLA. Another quarterback, Austin Novosad, with an opening now at Oregon, flips from Baylor to Oregon. So hard to keep up with it all. And they're paying all this money. And he got the transfer portal. It was a lot simpler and a lot more charming when there was one signing day. It was in February. And you couldn't just lose a guy to a late highest bidder. And that's just how it's become. It'd be interesting if you could, in in an alternate universe, if you could, like, show a recruiting class or the top 300 and where they sign, and then right next to it, the same top 300 where they would sign without all this other influence. Which doesn't matter. And, look, the money's the money. They're allowed to take it, take it. If somebody's going to pay you, then, you know, God bless them. But I just wonder what the top 300, the commitment and the signing list. I just wonder what it would look like if there weren't all this NIL money and and how it could be just in- incredibly different. Um but it is what it is. That's the that's the new a way of doing it, I told you earlier, as the day starts, Florida is ninth on the recruiting list. Where did I say FSU was? They're like 16 or 18. I told you the three that have flipped. There are others that uh, potentially could. Um, FSU is is hopeful along that uh, front. Um, both to keeping and to flipping themselves. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, this is another one of those topics that we go through here today. That if you're really, 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 really into recruiting, you're more aware of this than any radio program you listen to today, or any you know, TV update that you get tonight, right? You whether through your social media or following your favorite recruiting websites and rankings. Um, and again, the on three is what I use if I'm just going to give you these recruiting classes because they are at least a consensus that takes into account a variety of different services, right? So they'll give you ESPN, they'll give you rivals, they'll give you 24-7. And so when you combine all those, you get to what um, that ranking is. And again, as the day started, without the, you know, the virtue of any flips that may happen, uh, Alabama and Georgia are one and twos, just as they have been on field for the most part. Miami has had a very costly good class but hey it's you know if you're a cane fan it's not your money one more time to reiterate the nil is not about joe average fans sending 50 bucks to the collective don't do it do not do it sending 100 to your collective is akin to voting in a local sales tax to cover stuff that we're already taxed to cover that's again i'm gonna go a little socio-economical political on you never fall for a local added tax the taxes that we pay cover everything that they're trying to tax you for. They've just spent it on something else. But when it comes to this, this, you know, NIL, it, look, whatever the reason or route that got them there, Miami is a much-needed number three in the recruiting rankings with three five-star players. Ohio State is four, Notre Dame is five. Texas has three five stars, including Arch Manning. They're number six. LSU is seven. Florida was seven a couple of weeks ago. Things have broken the other way, and they now have fallen to nine right behind Oklahoma. Uh, Florida has as many, just about as many, you know, four stars as anyone in the country. They got no five star talent, though, none signed or uh, committed, but more, you know, a ton of four stars. They only have 21 prospects. 14 or 17 of them are four stars. So their average prospect. Uh, ranking is a little higher than some of even those teams that are ahead of them. Clemson is 10th. Uh, Tennessee at one point was top five. They've, they've backed up a little bit. They're number 11. FSU has one five-star commitment and uh, stands at number 16 overall, but just 15 total commitments as we, uh, as we uh, stand here right now. And I'd say one other thing too, about any Listen, if you want to value Alabama and Georgia's recruiting class, you want to value Ohio state at number four, Feel free to. You should. They've proven this way. Uh, One eye open of skepticism toward a Miami who has flared and showed up or, you know, any program like that. It's it's still much to be determined and to be played out. You got a lot more to show than a a recruiting class. It takes a lot more than a highly paid, highly regarded recruiting class to guarantee you anything. Now, fans should be excited. If you're a Miami fan, you should be excited. You got a great recruiting class. But... I take a lot more stock and a lot more fear out of Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State having three of the top four than I do of money come lately in Miami and what that might ultimately translate into. Um, but if you're in the ACC, you look at that with a wary eye. Ultimately, Jimmy's and Joe's win, man. I mean, you got to have some X's and O's. Don't get me wrong. And When you get down to two teams with like talent, that becomes a lot more important. But in the meantime, if you want to get to where you're going, Clemson got there with Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, all those receivers, all those D linemen. They got there recruiting. So especially if your path is could be a little quicker in the ACC. Let's be honest, it is what it is. It's a right now a down football conference, like way down, like I'd say fourth or fifth among the Power Fives. So the path to to dominance and success can play out for you a little quicker and more easily, especially if you get three five stars, six four one ten ten. The cat has drug in the following. Good morning, Joe.
4: Good morning, Jeffrey. It's a great signing day. Happy signing day, everybody. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, got, I got to take you to task you and can. all the other people yeah. out there. You can't. it's not NIL that we're – Mario's yeah. been a yeah. great You're recruiter. paying it. No, 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 no. That's not right, Joe. What empirical Joe. evidence do you Joe. have
1: that he's paying – that they're paying His someone? name is John Ruiz. He tweets every day. If you don't think that they're getting money to right. go there, then it doesn't matter. I don't know why you argue this. Like, why does it because offend you? Because every time y'all talk about the other classes, we have a Miami's buying, especially that on three rag. All right, I'll tell you why. I, I'll tell you why. Because you got nine three-star prospects. Nobody else in the top ten has nine three-star prospects. If you have nine three-stars and three five-stars and are notoriously uh, known for handing out the bag, it's a simple step in logic and deduction that you're paying. And it doesn't matter. Why does it bother you?
4: Because every time you guys talk about Miami, it's like they've got this class because they're paying. Whereas everybody else, we all playing under the same rules, right? Exactly. It's not 100%. where Nick Saban Motors could come and give these kids the a thousand That's fine. You know why, Joe? Joe, here's
1: why. Here's another yeah. reason why. Because Miami stinks. You can't compare S- them Hold on. You can't compare. Let me finish and I'll let you talk. Go I ahead, swear. Okay. Thanks. You can't compare Appreciate the recruiting success of Miami versus Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State. Those are great teams that go to the playoffs every year. If you show up at number three, with, and by the way, with to, the, to the, that end on, Mario wasn't popping out top five recruiting classes at Oregon. No, he wasn't. Yep. He's a good yep. recruiter. They are getting a benefit of swinging guys late with extra cash, which is part of the deal, which is also, I'm sure, what Alabama and Georgia are doing. But they have more street cred because they've been doing it longer.
4: Okay, now let me talk. I, I I woke up this morning. I could have spoken several languages, but the language I choose to speak right now are facts. Yeah. Randy Shannon's first year, we were five and seven before that year. Where did we come in? What, what class was that? We're number freaking one. We have the number one recruiting class, bro. We do this. Kids want to come to South Florida, and it's not like just the SEC now. And and you're right, people are getting paid now. People, I I'm a capitalist. Your labor, you should be rewarded for. You should be able to. Let me to, ask uh, you this: a should, kid,
1: should you be taxed but, then? Should you be an employee? Yeah. Okay. Well that, <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, that, that, for- that's going to change some things too.
4: I'm all. For, yeah. I don't believe. I, I'm. I remember Chris Weber saying that their kid, they're selling his jersey in the bookstore, and he didn't get a dime for it. And it's not just a Michigan with number four; it's got Weber on it. That's not right, bro. Just pay me a And good, that, good. and that, and but
1: that, by the way, couldn't be a further example of what this has become. This isn't about a kid being a, a good kid who succeeded and and earned. You know, recognition and ultimately cash for his likeness being used. That's not what this is now. This is paying unproven and, in other cases, yep. underperforming players. In, in some cases, seven figures. So, it's, it's very. And the
4: NFL does that. But
1: it's First not the NFL. Kid. It's college football. That's the difference. Well, the
4: problem, you know, what the problem? It used to be, you know, the kids are getting a free education; they should be happy for that. And now, is getting eight million dollars—you well, that, can't. That's a problem to kids too. Room, yeah, I don't that, disagree. That's the so, I don't disagree with a lot you're saying.
1: I'm not being critical of Miami's class, but I'm not naive but enough disagree. to. I
4: disagree. I say you are when you when y'all when every time y'all come on the radio and say this is this, and then oh yeah, in Miami with the nil. Every time you talk about our class, and I'm not saying you, I'm saying yeah. every you. Uh, okay, it's always but. Miami paid for this class. I,
1: Everybody I, else did. To me, it's and. I'm not saying it but. I'm saying it and. Okay. They did, and okay. that, it, it, to me, look, you have to understand, bro. You're on the opposite end when it comes to credibility. You say the most outrageous, positive <laughs> things about your university all the time. So the truth may lie somewhere in the middle. I'm dubious you get McLean and Pancake without the cash. I am. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. It doesn't matter. You got them. They'll play. See how he coaches them and see how they do, I guess. All uh, right, fair enough. But again, I,
4: last thing I would say was check Mario Cristobal's record on recruiting. He is yeah, okay. very, he is widely regarded as the best recruiter in the game. Okay, and I'm not being hyperbolic as I've been. Then his then years. I will
1: say this, and again, I don't. Uh, uh, I guess I am. I just do it to be difficult with you. I'll say this. Then his then his dad coaching record should be a lot better. I mean, if he's the best recruiter in the game, look at his
4: he, Power he, Five coaching it, record. It, Throw out when he was at FIU. Okay. Was, didn't yeah. win a game when he
1: was there. Okay. Look at his
4: Power Five record. All right, well, all right. And look at his last three years. Should I, should I start? He ran the, the Pac twelve twice and went to the Rose Bowl. Should I start with Vito five Ohio and seven?
1: What about five and seven? Should I start with that?
4: He ran the kids off, man. He's I trying know. to build his program. I yeah, I, I hear mean, you, hear know. you know, he and he and Sunbelt Billy were on the staff together. And ask anybody. Bell, who knows this is the guy who took Temple
1: Owl <laughs> and told us he was the best thing to arrive in Miami <laughs> since Jimmy Johnson. All right, see you. All right, man. Happy Saturday. Yeah, you too. That's how we go. It's all good there, gang. Don't worry about us. We'll, we'll, we'll keep between the lines. Uh, Miami's it's just so amazing that Miami dominated football, and then they went to the ACC, and it killed them. It killed them. I mean, Miami won the national title in 2002. They had another good year in 2003 with Larry Cooker. They went 11-2. Then they went to the ACC, and in 20 years, they've had one year where they won at least 10 games, just one. I mean, is it that simple?
2: I don't like the way you're looking at me as you say that.
1: I'm just asking a question: Is it that simple? That's why you got that way because you went to the to the ACC
2: at that point. Like the kids started leaving Florida, like you know all those oh, Miami then, kids. They okay, okay. well then Florida.
1: don't don't let them leave Florida. Miami's uh, four years previous to the ACC, they went eleven and one, twelve and zero, twelve and one, eleven and two. They went to the ACC. They went 9 and 3, 9 and 3, 7 and 6, 5 and 7, 7 and 6, 9 and 4, 7 and 6, 6 and 6, 7 and 5, 9 and 4, 6 and 7, 8 and 5, 9 and 4, 8 and 5. The 110 win year, Mark Rick's second year there. Then they went 7 and 6, 6 and 7, 8 and 3, 7 and 5, 5 and 7. Oof. No bueno, friend. But it's a, again I am not attributing it all to that. You don't just fly in with no knowledge of your program, no belief in what you do and pay a guy and he goes there. I'm not saying that's what happened at Miami. And maybe I'm speaking a little out of turn because I'm not on social media where this story has played out a lot more than it has in your typical media and that is this Guy John Ruiz, the the you know, the the South Florida money man for Miami, the attorney who Has bragged about the amount of money that he can give and how other schools aren't giving enough. So it leads you to the conclusion that 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 big paycheck is helping and that's okay. Yeah. I I mean, mean, you don't complain about, like, are you going to complain in free agency? Well, they got so and so because they paid more. Yeah. The Mets have Carlos Correa and the Braves don't because the Mets paid him 315. That doesn't mean the Mets stink. Doesn't mean the Mets did anything wrong. Doesn't mean it's unfair for Atlanta. They had the choice the Gators if they wanted to play the game that way and I'm not saying they shouldn't they could get together and pull up more money if that's if that is you know to a, to a, to an exact point why it's happening and they don't that's on them so I'm not it's it's not it's in a criticism of Miami and how they're getting there they're number 3 with two with a big five star commitment in the last week another huge one a month ago and and if you didn't get those players, shame on you if you had an end to do it. I will take one call here. Uh, Mike joins us on the west side. We'll go to break, come back, see what's uh, trending to wrap things up today. Hello, Mike. Good morning.
4: Hey, good morning, Jeff. The question I have is, um, is the transfer portal more important or the NIL? And, and the reason why I ask that, uh, you get Sonny Dykes goes out to TCU um, with a terrible recruiting class so he's done. Um, is is it truly the X's and O's or the Jimmys and Joes? And I I, I have no problem with the transfer portal. The problem I have is
1: the NIL. Well, I will say um, this. I will say will this. You- in, in many regards, I'm not sure it would play out with TCU. But in many regards, those two things are intertwined. A lot of these transfer portal guys are going into the transfer portal simply to go make money somewhere. So it's a big, you know, a big reason that the portal okay. is as crowded as it is is because of the NIL money that's now uh, available, but it's certainly important. You, met, you know, FSU and Mike Norvell had a much better season than some would have expected because of the work that they did in the transfer portal. I mean, they got a potential first rounder. They've got first round defensive linemen back to back years of what Johnson last year, Jermaine Johnson last year, and this year, Jared Verse who are going to be first rounders who they got through the transfer portal. So there, you do to your point, just like NFL teams, they have college scouts, but they also have NFL scouts who go scout the league all year to in case someone gets waived or in case free agency comes. College programs better be developing that aspect of their arm as well because, um, yeah, I agree with you. The portal is is very important and the decisions you make in it, you know, getting the right guy. And I'll just leave you with Florida apparently has agreed to terms or they've gotten a commitment from a quarterback in the portal named Graham Mertz. That is subtraction by addition. That is an idiotic signing. He is no good and won't make you any better. So, you got to play that game right as well, Mike. Thanks for the phone call. We're gonna skip off to break. Come back and see what's trending. Here locked and loaded on the drill. Ten Ten XL, ninety two point five FM.
7: Oh yeah, Santa Claus is in a little bit of a Christmas mood. There's Prosser screaming at Joe, you once more. Et's sipping Hennessy. Rick Belue checking FSU scores. And Frangie singing songs off-key. Kind of ironic, huh? Everybody knows when 1010 is on the radio. Helps to make the season bright. Helmets and heels, those voices aglow. Take us to the stars on Tuesday night. We know the lunch bunch is on the way. They're dropping knowledge right after Jags Today. And every Gator fan, they're standing by to hear a Gator Bites podcast on the fly. And so we're offering a simple phrase to listeners from 1 to 92, not 93. Although it's been said, Many times, many ways, Merry Christmas from 1010XL to you. Merry Christmas, Googans. Hope you all have some great gifts under the tree. Hope you understand the joy of the season. Hope you're with your loved ones. We love you. Thanks for listening. And happy holidays.
2: What's wrong with that, man?
1: I remember the old days where we all would just say Merry Christmas, and that was enough what's wrong with that guy <laughs> <laughs> that's your guy that's Claus. is that what we're saying Dante Claus. i missed that last week when i was off apparently you said you played it a couple of times i don't know why you had to let me know that that was there and <laughs> did i want to hear it <laughs> <laughs> seems kind seems kind of out of the holiday spirit if you ask me um listen uh stay ready you ain't got to get ready you want to see what's trending are you ready a signing day is trending today. We'll have you covered all day with this, you know, with the Herald and Herald report. Uh, nothing really cracking to this point. I, I have seen that Jaden Rashada, who the Gators stole from Miami, is pushed back as signing, not today, tomorrow. And the I don't know if you have to even be cynical, but there is some thought that, well, he's just going to see how the quarterback carousel plays out and the highest bidder will get him. That ain't how it's supposed to be, man. I'm
2: right. Sorry. Anyway, but college football being a business now it's just open.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're right about that. It's like if they all of a sudden allowed you to know how all our congressmen and representatives go to Washington with a net worth of like a hundred grand and leave, leave ten with, years later <laughs> right. with ten million because they're dirty, rotten nilers, worse than the college athletes because they are supposed to be representing you. The college kids, at least you know it's on them, <laughs> right? But it's kind of like it's like that old Netflix show, House of Cards. It seems so outrageous and dirty when you watched it and then you realize that no, it's just a documentary. It's what these it's what these corrupt so and so's are doing for us and to us in Washington. That's what the NIL feels like. So that's that's just me.
3: Number
2: five. We spoke we touched on this a, a handful of times, but uh, NFL legend Franco Harris passed away at the age of seventy-two. Jeff, you just showed me a picture of Franco.
1: Yeah, I had a buddy. Mm-hmm. I, I said we saw him up at the up at Canton. You know, he's a Hall of Famer. He had the gold jacket. And I was uh, up there with our group, one of Tony's uh, best friends. One of my good friends is a big Steelers fan. And he got kind of cajoled and talked into going, you know, you get to be an age. Oh, I'm not going to go up and, you know, be, uh, you know, Steelers stan here. Oh, I, I, but, you know, kind of made him get a picture with Franco Harris. And he's glad <laughs> he did because... Yeah, we lost Franco Harris today. It's terrible. On the weekend of the anniversary. By the way, let me clean up some messes from that talk. And I should have known this. 1972 was not a Super Bowl year for the Steelers. Uh, what happened was the Steelers winning that game. Uh, the Dolphins went to Pittsburgh the next week. And, and well, they would have won, right? The Steelers yeah. went in 74-75 and again in 78-79. The Super Bowl, I mean and
2: uh kind of to, to to go back to the franco it's like you know with christmas now what it's turned to is gift giving and all that and the passing of franco let's just you know come together with your family and, and cherish those moments you su- just never for sure knew.
1: and if you're you know if you're you know it doesn't matter how old you are you can be 13 30 40 50 or 80 life's fleeting you're gonna wake up day you're gonna look back and you are gonna whether and this happens look People start thinking it at 25. Wow, I'm not just 16 last week. Right. They're thinking at 35. Man, I'm old. The good news is, no matter where you get, if you can only think about this way as it went. You know, for a guy who's now into his uh, early 50s. But you always look back and say, man, I wasn't old at all. Wish I hadn't thought that then. But 40. Number four. 40 ain't nothing, friend.
2: Oh, Jeff, I would have loved to see how you would react to this. All right. Airline mistakenly ships family's nashville bound dog to saudi arabia
1: oh man if it was bentley i would have to pass him 100 and right oh, i'm I, talking about the cat oh yeah no the cat we would have had issues but now if they'd send my dog to saudi arabia i'd slip <laughs> him 100 and run as fast as i can to the car this is not a bit i do not like my dog he gets treated way too good i don't know why i treat him like i do considering how he treats me He's a terrible dog. He doesn't mind. He doesn't, it's just any name, any and everything that's bad about a dog. Everything, every reason that you have a dog for, and I'm a dog person, this dog doesn't do any of it. He's an awful dog, and I just, I, I wait for him to pass. He's already 15. He's as surprised you can be. So if you can tell me what airline this is, I'll go book a flight to Nashville today and just pray that it somehow ends up in Saudi Arabia.
2: A Tennessee family is demanding answers after an airline mistakenly sent their Nashville-bound dog halfway across the world to Saudi Arabia.
1: But they got it back, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be three days
2: later. Yeah. But they're saying that there's reports that the dog is just not the same. I bet.
1: <laughs> right. Could you imagine being some poor dog, and I don't know where 63 the sixty-three hours. I don't know where the flight originated. It would have been an hour and a half, or something. You know, I don't right. know where they flew it from, but to, from wherever that was to Nashville is not the same as going all the way to Saudi oh. Arabia and back. The poor thing must be like, oh man! The- I thought I liked those people. I thought they loved me. Hey, right? It took the
2: dog sixty-three <laughs> hours to get back. Oh, oh
3: man! No. Mm. Number
2: three. Um, earlier I think we spoke about the topless. World Cup fans that celebrated at Qatar, well, they returned home safely. But this is just another example of knowing where you're at, and you can, you just can't do whatever you want to in other people's countries. So two women who were there for the um, the World Cup, they were Argentina fans, and after the, the victory, they decided to celebrate topless.
3: Yeah,
1: which is not cool. You know, I mean, I, I don't think you got to be some strict Middle Eastern country to look down on that i think if you went topless at a jaguars game you would be facing some issues yep so i, I don't they know do what that at the super bowl no i don't i don't get it i don't understand why a woman would have any reason at all to just to go topless unless she has an incredibly low opinion of herself and it's while she gets her fulfillment and attention i guess <laughs> i mean there is there are some standards still left gang i'm sorry you don't get to just make up your own and then wonder why I want to know. There's got to be better stories than that. I want to know like some of the culture clashes of the drinking and the fighting. We got to have somebody Midnight Express right now who's locked up in some riad prison right? <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> when are those stories going to come out? This is just a little, you know, little flippant, little topless story. It doesn't hardly really count.
2: Number two, as we stated earlier, Lionel Messi's World Cup photo is the most liked post ever on Instagram. Right now, it has about 69 million likes on the platform. And before Messi's post, the most liked photo on Instagram was the ordinary brown egg posted in 2019. And it had about 57 million likes, which had overtaken reality. um, It it was uh, overtaken the previous record held by reality star makeup mogul Kylie Jenner.
1: Uh, Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> all right, that's all I can say. Thank you, Lionel Messi. The fact that one of the coven is the owner of the most liked is just a uh-huh. disgusting reflection on society.
2: Crazy. At
1: least Messi deserves it.
2: The most liked picture I have on Instagram is like barely over 1,000. <laughs> 69 million. Sheesh.
8: Ugh.
2: Number that's one. That's a lot, isn't it? And the number one trending topic is uh, Carlos Correa. There's some breaking news. I woke up this morning. First thing, my Alexa plays all night. I go to bed listening to music and and all hacker after dark. I listen to all of it. All right. But when I woke up this morning, I found out that there was some breaking news that Carlos Correa agreed to a 12-year, $315 million contract with the Mets. I'm like, hold on. You know, I'm trying to build up my, my baseball my baseball knowledge I was like okay. I thought he was going to the Giants Yeah he was and then yep. he
1: changed In fact I I said earlier I was talking about you know Carlos Correa to the Mets and somebody like he's not on the Mets you dummy and I said wow well, Yeah, yeah. is oh gosh he is. I just woke up yeah that came out of nowhere You fitness. know they said it they said he you know it was a problem medical issue with the with the physical Right he failed a physical Yeah himself. the best line I said yeah what for cold feet is that what the physical he failed his feet got cold because he got to that agent Scott Boras and said, "Yeah, I don't know what went wrong in in San Francisco. I mean, that's ridiculous. you know that he's a guy who's had, you know, health issues. He's gone on the IR a ton of times now, so he, he's 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 been injured an awful lot in his career. Uh, but it's a good get for the Mets. You know, keep spending the money again. If you're a Braves fan, I'm not I'm not trembling. We'll play. That's fine. Go buy all these talent to try and reach what our homegrown." you know, talent that's been built has. I'll take Albies and Acuna and Riley and, and Olson, and I'll just, I'll meet you. I'll meet you out back. We'll play. That's fine. But it's good get if you're, and it shows you the urgency of the Phillies and the Mets. They both spent over $300 million on shortstops. The Braves, meanwhile, let theirs go. <laughs> but yeah, Carlos Correa out of nowhere. I'm sure Hicken is just doing backflips today and they should. It's a good player. You went and got a good player. It's not my money. Spend it. that's what's trending yeah stay ready and got to get ready it's brought to you by pet paradise you don't have to stay ready oh my gosh what are we going to do you're going to go to pet paradise you're going to do it for overnight boarding and grooming it's the ultimate pet spa they love your pet as much as you do official pet care provider of the jaguars the gators they're listen if you're just continually putting up new facilities all over the country it's because you're doing it right it's because you figured out what it is people want out of their pet care providers. And they want a, a company with new facilities, with modern facilities, with everything under one roof, with new day veterinary, with with grooming professionally and stylishly done, with pet spas and, and, and climate controlled suites and a staff that knows your pet by name. Those are all the things that you can, those are just standard. It's what you get with Pet Paradise. Find out more, take a tour, get, get pet ready with a Pet Paradise near you and keep them in mind whenever you're traveling anywhere. Because suddenly that, and if you're going somewhere where you'd like to take the dog or the cat, but, you know, maybe there's certain times that while you're there you couldn't, you'd be surprised where there's a Pet Paradise located near you. It's Pet Paradise
3: and PetParadise.com. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit TireOutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. All right, uh,
1: Tony and the gang have assembled with their superpower strength to talk Jaguars today. How are you doing? <laughs>
8: Doing well. Yeah, we'll have Donovan Darius in with I see us. see that. Uh, we'll check in with John Osier who is traveling with the team, obviously, up to okay. New York today. Hope he, hope he packed warm and dry. Yeah. because yeah. Well, and it will not be. Yeah, it's not as cold as it's going to be in a lot of places around that's, the that's country. That's true. Too. Well, weekend. maybe the I mean, next day. They're yeah, catching it right before, I guess, it moves yeah, through. They but were uh, just showing some of the temperatures from around the league this weekend. And yeah. we got games that are getting get played at, like, minus 20. Yeah, Like, yeah. multiple games. It's kind of cool, week. really. Yeah, and it'll be on
1: Christmas freezing. Eve, most of them. It's going to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it, look, here's another thing, too. When it comes to, like, the forecast and the rain, that's we're not Florida exclusive to the weathermen not always being right. No. So even though it says it's going to pour down rain and blow 25 miles an hour, I would trust the wind more than the rain. But that oh. those are brutal situations for a quarterback who set the NFL record with four fumbles in a game. Let's not forget. I think that that is a storyline that we need to ponder going up there, and that's the ball security of Trevor when when he's in passing situations.
8: Well, and your running back has some fumbleitis right yeah, now too. for sure. You know, like that's a really big story going into this game. Is not only the outcome of what happened in Philadelphia when they played in a downpour that day and Trevor's ball security wasn't so good, but it hadn't had to be raining for Travis Etienne to have some issues here over the last month. You know? For sure. So oh, yeah. that's a big story going into this one. Yeah. No doubt.
1: No, I, I we haven't had a fumbler in a while, right? This yeah. franchise has not been, you know, and we got a couple of guys where, you know, that that's gonna matter moving forward. I I, I I still can't help but think, as long as football's been played, and as many downs as these have, that this—it's fluky fumbling. I don't know about Trevor. That's probably more mindset of being where you are and understanding where it's coming from. Yeah, but I got to think, Travis. I mean, not feel good about point. Trevor
8: Lawrence and the way he's playing right no. now. That it's not some. I don't think he's going to be able to handle it on right. Thursday night, but it is something to look for when the game. I kicks think off. it's. I
1: think with this Trevor, with this deal, and we saw this. We've seen it the last. I mean, like the last two huge wins. You forget Fortner jumps on a fumble. Jags overcome a late one. I mean, he yeah. made mistakes that could have done him. But I bet you there's a recognition, much like. Stop forcing it into a corner of the end zone. Throw it away. I think there's going to be a recognition with Trevor. You know, at some point, they got you back there. Just go to the ground, man. I mean, I get wanting to make a play in the competitiveness, but in the NFL and the other guys are too good. Sometimes you just got to take your medicine. Sure. So, uh, we shall see. All right. It's uh, it's Tony. It's Mike. Donovan Darius, Double D, in studio with him as well for Jaguars today. That's coming up next. That'll do it to it for us. Uh, be sure to stay tuned. to 1010XL all day in conjunction with... Um, uh, Harold and Harold, bringing you all your signing day updates for all the kids. Very excited about making their next choice. Um, And some adults who get way too excited about what those choices are. Um, This is the drill. We'll see tomorrow.